Well, welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. James Bond is socially distancing himself away from us all this week. So I'm your film host, James Page from MI6 and MI6 Confidential Magazine. Uh, we're doing this thing again where we do a watch along. So queue up your copy of Die Another Day. Well, one of your copies, because I'm sure you've all got like multiple versions of Die Another Day. Cue your film up ready, and whilst we're getting ready, we will do our introduction. So this week, what joining us on the watch along is Bill Koenig, David Lee, Lisa Funnel, Ben Williams, Calvin Dyson. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Hi, I'm uh, Bill Koenig, and I run a blog called The Spy Command, and it's great to be back. David Lee here. I run the James Bond dossier. I'm currently about to enjoy this film with a, a glass of rum and coke. I decided against the mojito tonight. Uh, hi, this is Dr. Lisa Funnel. I am a professor at the University of Oklahoma. I'm the author of The Geographies, Genders and Geopolitics of James Bond with Klaus Dodds and the editor uh, for His Eyes Only, The Women of James Bond. And I am drinking um, ginger ale with amaretto. Ooh. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Ben Williams. I write for MI6 Confidential Magazine and MI6HQ.com. Um, I am also the author of All Your Pain, and I am currently drinking a um, Coke and some other clear liquid that went in there. I think it, it's possibly vodka. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Calvin Dyson, and I run the Calvin Dyson YouTube channel where I talk about all things Bond, films, books, video games, and just before this record, I ate half an Easter egg, so I expect my sugar <laughs> rush will kick in around the time we get to Cuba, and I'll start to crash around the time we get to Iceland. <laughs> but there's another half of an Easter egg. So. Oh, oh, yeah. Right. Huh. When the I'm ice palace appears. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's but everyone you, down you the east. You, you ought to share it with us, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to need the uh, the extra energy for this one. <laughs> um, at, at about at about the invisible car, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> spoilers! Spoilers! Come oh, on! Sorry. Mm. <laughs> I, I neglected to mention I'm going to be enjoying a Washington State uh, brown sugar bourbon, which oh, is ooh. very nice. Good very session good. whiskey. Yes, and it gives you the sugar rush as well as the alcohol. So uh, good, good plan. All right, all right, folks. So if you're at home, is everybody ready on the yep. panel? Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. All right, all right. We're going to give a countdown, and then we're all going to hit play. All right, three, two, one, and our friend Larry the Lion should be appearing on everybody's screens around now. Strangely, they didn't CGI the lion for this film. Mm. <laughs> so. No, they didn't. Nice um, lion. There's the CGI bullet. Um, um, I'm not there yet. Oh, come on. <laughs> right, well, so I did, I did wonder, if you shoot a bullet down somebody else's gun barrel, then how does it kill them? Uh, the gun mm. explodes. Right. <laughs> I honestly had no idea that was a gun barrel for years watching James Bond. I just thought it was a cool, clever visual trick. And then one day I clued in and I was like, wow. <laughs> well, well, the thing for me was on for this particular movie, uh, David Arnold's first two gun barrels did not have the traditional gun barrel arrangement of da 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 da, etc. Instead, it was this more kind of general thing that kind of goes to the side and then he comes, he fires, it goes da 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 da. Like it's not the, again, not the usual gun barrel. Finally, with this movie, he does the traditional arrangement. 
And then we have the CGI bullet just to right. <laughs> take you, just to ruin the mood. Anyway, surfing, surfing, just one other thing we're not allowed to do at the moment. At least I'm not here. Yeah. Um, uh, fun fact, this cost $750,000 to film <gasps> on Christmas Day. Although yes. they, they always say it filmed on Christmas Day. They actually filmed it over like a week, but... Um, mm. Yeah, Laird it kind Hamilton. of it, it's it's a very to, to me it's one of the most annoying things is that you should only ever have Bond kind of going in like if there's a if there's a really difficult stunt to perform he shouldn't be doing it with like two other people that can also right. do it. Well, mm. apparently, apparently the other two guys were supposed to wipe out and they spent a week filming the wipeouts, um, which you can see in the trailer, but they yeah. cut them from the film. They cut ah. them from the film. I never knew that, yeah. but yeah, I know that shot from the trailer very well. Uh, oh, and here we are on the green screen. <laughs> well, uh, well, not only that, but from you know here on through the whole Korean sequence, it's this kind of, I don't know if it's shot through a filter or what, but yeah. it's like this they don't, dark They don't thing. have a full spectrum of colors in North Korea yet. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so it's, it's not... It's, it's so Wales, anyway. isn't it, where we're at? This is Pinewood that I'm watching, yeah. and then it's... Sorry, it I'm, I think I'm a few South, seconds behind you. It cuts to Cornwall. Uh, but, in the south coast of England. What I was going to say was, I, Lee Tomahori on on the commentary track was very proud of this. It was like how artistic <laughs> this choice was to have this sort of dark Korean sequence. Yeah. And um, I, I mentioned this. Uh, I mentioned this when we weren't recording on a recent podcast. Um, the Hawaii Five O. TV series, the one that just wrapped up, um, they had an episode set in Korea where McGarrett gets tricked into going to Korea, and they did the same thing. It right. was like mm-hmm. dark in the whole Korean things, and yeah. then like back in Hawaii, it's all bright and shiny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then they organize a uh, rescue uh, rescue thing to get McGarrett out, and so in the last shot, they you, you can tell when they cross the border because it's all dark, and the second they cross the border, it's bright colors. Right. <laughs> so it's like, why do you go to the trouble of copying this aspect of Tomorrow Never Die? I'm sorry, right. this aspect of Die Another Day, but they did on that TV show. I guess it's like mean, whenever anyone goes to Mexico know. and it's always got that yellow sort of right. tint to it, but I think color grading on this film is just all over the place, yeah. really. There's, there's a couple of shots here in the helicopter where the two windows is the double O. Somebody pointed that to me out yeah. years ago, which is quite offensive. But that diamond smuggler, Mr. Van Beek, was supposed to be South African. And he had a whole backstory, which we don't get to learn about in the film. Hmm. How did he know what clothes he was going to wear? I mean, exactly mm-hmm. the clothes he was going to wear. It's a ludicrous kind of conceit. Missed the sunglasses, though, didn't I have a question. So the two guys who were supposed to wipe out but didn't wipe out, are they supposed to be, like, South Korean agents aiding Bond, or are they also double-O agents? So they're South Korean. Because I was – there's such a profound, like – there's so few representations of, like, Asians um, um, who are of of British nationality in the Bond franchise. And so for a moment I was like, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm wrong in my assessment, but I don't think I was. Well, uh, you're right, and – the second unit actually had to go to martial arts schools across the country to get um, to get the stunt performers for this sequence because there weren't enough registered stunt performers of Korean descent in the UK. Wow. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the yeah. uh, the actor here who plays Colonel Moon, he also shows up in Hawaii Five O, the the second series. So, yeah, like they they love to take Bond stuff in, in that show. Oh, oh you're right. From- yeah, this is this is the same location. Um, or, or area, I should say, where they filmed um, the Casino Royale uh, introduction in, in um, Africa. Yeah. So it's interesting how you can make one yeah. place North Korea and one place, you know, uh, 
uh, African country. It's all in the grading. Mm. I think it's so that it could blend in with what England's actually like most right. of the time. <laughs> here, here we have our first hint of the Ford Motor Company deal with this movie, uh, Colonel Moon's <laughs> car collection, because Ford Motor Company did a deal valued at $35 million, um, to supply vehicles to promote what the uh, luxury brands Ford owned at the time. And I'll get into that later, but uh, that this is the first hint of that. So, yeah, yeah Ford... those, those cars, a lot of those are um, replica, um, yeah, Ferraris and and uh, the like. Um, I always wondered why Colonel Moon had that very elaborate gate that opens right. and closes, and yet all he has around the rest of the base is just a barbed wire fence, <laughs> right? <laughs> like a, you know, a pair of pliers would make you know right. short work of that, but. He ran out of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got this. I got enough money for this great front opening. Don't they they do that later on in the film when they're they're getting onto the Antonov? Like, we've had all this incredible technology and he pulls out a pair of pliers. Yeah, that's right. Secateurs. Yeah, it's like you could have a laser watch that cut through that fence, but no, pull out the the wire cutters. It's a down-to-earth bond, this one. Oh, yeah, it is. It's very realistic. Gritty. (laughs) Another fun fun fact, the hovercraft was invented by BP back in the day. And um, these are all British hovercrafts in this movie. Uh, I think, um, I mean, I'll bring it up now. May as well. Uh, You know, obviously, a hovercraft going over a landmine wouldn't uh, not set it off. Right. Um, the down, you know, the down blast that the air would uh, mm-hmm. would actually yeah. make. This it is go the off. first time in the series and where there's a pivot bond to be designed hovercraft to go over. Mm. And this is a real weapon, apparently. And there go the uh, there go the South Korean agents that uh, Bond brought with him. Way to go, Bond. <laughs> 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 well, they, they, yeah, they were either going to wipe out in the waves or get blown up in the helicopter. Either way, it wasn't good for them, was it? Yeah. Their, time on screen, their time on screen was short-lived. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad with puns. I'm just happy I came up with something. Oh, and the father figure's on his way. Dad, Dad's coming. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I think originally that these two guys, like Rick Yun, was going to uh, play Moon, um, mm. and was convinced at the last minute to sort of swap over. Right. Um, I actually think um, I think the casting is very good. Um, and uh, he manages to kind of um, do. Oh God, I'm not. I'm not talking very well. I'm sorry. <laughs> he manages that the, the transition between the two characters of um, uh, of Toby Stevens and um, and uh, sorry, the actor yeah. who's playing uh, Moon slips my mind. But uh, the, the, the the performance kind of uh, kind of works together. Yeah, and that's the bit where Brosnan put his knee out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there goes the knee, and this goes. Oh, oh, and that's the other thing—they couldn't find any Korean 
um, people to drive the helico- the hovercraft. So that's why they all have these big face masks on because they're all. Ah. They only found two two stunt uh, credited stunt workers that could drive hovercrafts. Colonel Colonel Moon apparently puts a nitroglycerin in his uh, collection of cars. Um, That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have gasoline. It's very rare here in North Korea. (laughs) And we're back in Aldershot. And the British. This is all filmed on the British Army base testing grounds. I do like how it's a different chase sequence. Like I like chase sequences that are like on water and then move to land. But I feel like the hovercraft is sort of a combination of like land and air because Mm -hmm. of the way that they can move. They move differently. And I always like it when chases just do something a little bit, a little different. So I'm just, I'm enjoying like the fluidity of, well, not that. Um, (laughs) It's almost balletic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A column that was apparently full of nitroglycerin. The right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, when, when, when they when they shot that, it was supposed to land on it, but it came up short, and that's yeah. yeah. But they kept it in the film. I know what you mean about the hovercrafts. Like they could quite easily have just done this chase. They jump in one of Moon's many cars, each of them, uh-huh. and then they just drive right. off. But yeah, putting in the hovercrafts just uh, makes it a little bit more unique. Oh look, there's a puddle. this is why you shouldn't stream a movie when you're when you're doing a commentary because uh i'm about eight minutes behind you now (laughs) (laughs) and apparently the hovercraft also have nitroglycerin for their fuel containers but Hmm. even the trees blow up Yeah, this sequence is only a, a little bit spoiled by there's a bit of blue screen, green screen. Yeah. In 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 the um like the close-ups mm. which yeah, spoil it a bit. Yeah, I'm I'm frozen at this point, so I'm I'm just waiting for for uh, audio cues from you guys to to know where <laughs> we're at. You well, mean you don't have, know this one by heart? Well, we have Bond and Colonel Moon fighting on top of the uh, apparently last yeah. surviving hovercraft. Uh, I gotta wonder where where that who? Why did they build a road that goes to a waterfall? <laughs> it's a really important bell that uh, bell that he's gonna hang off in a in a few moments. I'm sure it's some big ceremonial bell of some kind. It is. Uh, do you know what I have to say? When that when that line was delivered in the in the theatre, um, yeah, I actually did laugh out loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much yeah I, I, I think I did, but in embarrassment. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's the first time I'm, I remember hearing groans in a cinema. Right. Actually, when I first saw oh, this, it's a few more like this is like of all the model work the, the Bond series. It's <laughs> yeah, the model work isn't that great there. Yeah. Here we go. Um, oh, I'm, I'm just assuming that uh, we, we're at the, the Save by the Bell moment. Yeah. Well, yep. uh, the the first time I saw the movie was actually a oh. uh, a press uh, press showing that Ford put on for Detroit based auto reporters, and uh, it was a day or two before the actual uh, release date. And uh, yeah, so it was interesting. It's the first time I really got to see one in advance like that. And this is the one I got. So, right. <laughs> um, I don't know how 
how his father knew his son was on it when it went over the edge, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah I, All right, I, Ben, I for a point of reference, we're about to head into the, the, the credits. Music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, okay. Well, I'd, I'd say two things about this. It's one, um, when I was, uh, so I, I watched this on my own and, um, when this came out in the theater um at this point i was like this is the best bond film i have ever seen for some you reason what, i don't know why you, i was you know so what, you know what ben it's funny you should say that two two authors of some big bond books said the same thing coming out the premiere the first within the first 15 minutes they were like this is going to be one of the best movies <laughs> yeah and i think also because at this point bond had never been tortured in a in a film before and you know he's always tortured and captured and tortured in the books and i was kind of like wow we're finally getting to see kind of fleming's interpretation of bond this is amazing and i really loved the way that it was kind of being utilized through the credits and i thought that was a really clever way to kind of demonstrate his uh, him being tortured and mm. and also the kind of the you know the 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 kind of surrealism of it being, being a, an insight into his sort of mind. And I thought, wow, this is really, really clever. Um, that feeling didn't last, obviously. Well, <laughs> well also, the, really uh, the, titles, the titles were a bit of a change-up as well. I yeah. mean, you have some of the traditional surreal Im- imagery, but you also have some, like, real imagery, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, with, I, uh, I think you know, the, some the, of the, the, shots t- the titles and... actually work really well. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the song, but I, I think it... it does a good enough job in in the titles um it just doesn't stand up very well on its on its own yeah. speaking of the song it was actually announced back in march 2002 that madonna would do it which is really really early huh. film came in november um points to mention um brett ratner Stuart baird and um stephen hopkins were approached to direct this huh. and uh, oh, brett ratner. they gave it to tomorrow yeah uh, that'd have been, yeah that'd been something also, uh, whilst we're doing fun facts, uh, first Bond film released on an even number year since Man with the Golden Gun. Oh. That really is quite a nerdy fact. <laughs> yeah. 40th anniversary. Right. Well, yeah, because also they they deliberately put in an extra year between uh, The World Is Not Enough and this film. Because mm. after GoldenEye, they had kept to that every other year schedule mm. and i think they sort of i think mgm realized that was probably not doable in the long run so they gave eon an extra year mm. yeah who, who then uh, decided that three years wasn't doable either right. well, <laughs> yes, that was eventually the case but yeah back to the the credits though there's something that i really like about this because I like the fact that you have like a continuity going from the pre-credit sequence into the credits that'll pull us forward, which is kind of rare. But I think Mm -hmm. it's also a clever way of showing us the torture of Vaughn without showing us the torture of Vaughn. Like we're seeing it, but we're having all these other images um, that are sort of like kind of covering or shielding us from maybe our experience of seeing him have like the crap beaten out of him for an extended period. Absolutely, yeah. It's a clever way of doing it. I, 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 yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. And this is um, one looking he like look every like one of us is going to been... look like at the end of the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, I mean, hadn't he come just off um, directing 
um, Evelyn or something like yeah, that. He'd come um, off which, Evelyn, yeah. Which he'd had to, which I understood he kind of had to bulk up to play that role. So he'd been drinking a lot of Guinness to bulk up. And then he goes into this role, which is one where he's supposed to look like emaciated. And yeah. he's just, he sort of looks like he's still got a, a kind of a Guinness belly on him. So he's <laughs> always fed him Guinness over, over that last year. On, uh, on the uh, commentary track, Tamahori talked about how his son was uh, fascinated by the torture woman who we saw in the main oh, title. Right. And... I like. I love it that we can reference a commentary track whilst doing a commentary. For those of you who'd like to also listen to the secondary commentary track whilst we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it is something that um, you know when you when you watch the, the watch the kind of the official commentary tracks, you do pick up a lot of information. Um, but what you don't get is really this what we're doing right now, which is kind of um, uh, like the the effects it has on on people personally. They can talk about um, you know little bits of knowledge and things like that, but like the, yeah. the actual kind of effects that it has on you as an individual watching it. And, well, they, they also don't put it, they don't, they rarely put it in the context of the series. No, yeah. no, they don't. I mean, like, for example, we saw that flag of, a couple of minutes yeah. ago and like Tomahori goes, oh, we had to put up a fan and it made the flag wave. It's like, well, that's great, but right. I'm kind of looking for a little <laughs> bit more here than about, about that other than that. Um, and commentary tracks are so often recorded for like home media stuff. It's before the film's even been released, which I always find a bit, because I'd love to hear them react to some of the reaction, like when the film came out, like some of the critical stuff, but there's just mm. none of that. So you just have like on the commentary track for this, it's Lee Tamahori and Michael G. Wilson, isn't it? And they're just both sort of yeah. waxing lyrical about so many of the creative choices. I, in this I have never right. listened to a commentary track. And, oh, the, and then there's a separate commentary track with just Pierce Brosnan, and the problem with just one person, if, if the person's a good conversationalist, it, it can work, but a lot of times it doesn't because like in the World Is Not Enough commentary track, you have uh, Michael Apted just by himself and goes on right. and on. It's like by the mm -hmm. end, it's like, Michael, please wrap it up. I mean, it's not that he's not an interesting guy, but it's just he's it, it, it takes – a really talented person to bring off a single person commentary track. I think. I, I, I think Pierce does a fantastic job on, on doing the commentary track on on this particular film. He's so funny without maybe realizing it. Uh, <laughs> and and at the end, I think um, you know we we uh, we see them kind of kissing in their to spoiler alert kissing in the uh, in the thing in North Wales in their little hut. Right. Um, and then he goes, there you go. That's it. Die another day. <laughs> it's, it's, okay, so I, I've got a question now. Uh, is this his real hair? No. No. Okay, so this is the second film in a row where the lead actor's wearing a wig. That's huh? right. <laughs> is, is that his uh, real that beard? Was, that was a three-hour – no, that was a three-hour um, makeup Guarantee every morning. Connery, yeah. Connery didn't have a beard. <laughs> mm. yeah, very dodgy fog CGI. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that. And uh, those diamonds don't look too realistic either in <laughs> Zhao's face. Hey, um, this is the, I mean, it just needs – It reminds me a little bit – 
it reminds me a little bit of um, Darth Maul in the fact that, you know, yeah. they spent all these millions of dollars on on creating this kind of like all this other stuff that's going on. And then when it came to like a fairly major lead character that's going to get quite a lot of close-ups, um, they kind of went, well, let's just put some stick on horns on. Or right. in this case, it's like, yeah, just get stick. those little diamantes that you get in shots, right. just stick them in. It, it looks so It's been bejeweled. Done. Yeah. yeah. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I, but I, I, you know, I, I don't know why he d- just doesn't squeeze those diamonds out. <laughs> I don't think it's very. Bo- I don't think it's very, very bonding for him to like. Yeah. I don't think it's a very bonding thing to do to wave like. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Where he's just like, oh, hi, Charles, mate, and then he gets stuck with a needle. It's like, yeah. hey, <laughs> hi. Um. <laughs> Oh, another hairy bond as well. <laughs> I, I think he uh, deliberately grew it out. He was trying to outdo Connery in this mm. movie. Has anyone actually seen Robinson Crusoe? Uh, no. Pierce Brosnan? That's a very funny film. Um, again, unintentionally. Um, <laughs> but if you, but to, to listeners out there who obviously haven't seen it, um, I would, you know, if you're in isolation and you, uh, and you fancy a laugh, um, Watch, uh, watch Pierce Brosnan in Robinson Crusoe. Uh, get get suitably drunk and uh, enjoy yourselves. It's uh, it's a performance uh, that is up there with Taffin. Uh, <laughs> highly recommended. I have the same um, recommendation for IT, which is a more recent right. thriller in which his uh, home tech is used against him, and it's basically a good like fifteen minute sequence of him running around his home, shouting all of his yeah. smart smart speakers or a, and equipment. Or, 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 or somebody graffitied one of the posters SHIT. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> but um, another cutscene here because Paul Darrow, who if you like Blake Seven back in that when that was out. Um, uh, he was one, the doctor assessing Bond, and they just they just cut his role to being the voiceover. Mm. He says it's definitely him then, and of course he passed away last year. Mm. And, and, and was this supposed to be? Was this supposed to be a nod to the Glass Shield in the Man with the Golden Gun novel? I think it was, yeah, because the idea being that you you don't realise that there is a shield between them until he puts his hands against it. Um, I think that's there's definitely that kind of idea, and this is the first kind of time when they bring in the trust issue between Bond and M, which mm, will. I, I don't trust you. I don't trust you either. Um, I don't trust yes. you. Yeah, and, and, which doesn't get resolved at any point. Um, you know, I, I think it's it, you know it's that whole thing with uh, Judy Dench not trusting Bond. It's like, well, yeah, you know, if you don't trust him, just don't don't use him. I like, I like how the password on the pin to open the door is one button. <laughs> it, it's just it's a it's a series of symbols of furniture, and it's a chair. I, I think it was more high tech than that. I think it was five, but in the yeah. middle of the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> also, also when Bond when Bond was lying down, he gave a little wave to M too. So he's like, yeah. "This is Ooh. Bond gives a wave movie." <laughs> <laughs> Surfs a wave, gives a wave. Well, but I feel this so is I'm, so timely. I mean, looking at people through glass and right. questions of trust, and I know I'm going real deep with our certain yeah. situation that we're dealing with. But yeah. I think 
there's, I can at the very least sort of relate to what Bond must be feeling waking up and you just lack trust in, in somebody that you rely on. Um, and I always thought that that was a no. fingerprint scanner oh, at the okay. top, that maybe that's right. what was being touched, but there's something about so, this that's just resonating with me. Uh, again, this is great because this, they never went to Hong Kong. This is right. shot on well, the principal cast of, never went to Iceland either. No, it's true. But that boat was just like a tiny bit of set. This is a tiny bit of set in front of the, the, the water paddock thing. That I think you're a bit ahead of us, man. <laughs> no, Bob. Oh, okay. I am. Bob. Bond, having watched uh, our man Flint, decides to copy right. from James Coburn and, and slow his heart rate down. The <laughs> first of the speed ramp edits, just there, mm. for no reason whatsoever. They had to pan from the from the diagnostic tool to him with a speed ramp. I don't know why. <laughs> I but, like the um, rare this use of rare use of flashback here, right? Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. But it also this. shows like the trauma. Like this is actual, like when you are tortured, there's trauma that's associated with it. And I don't think we ever sort of think about Bond having an emotional reaction to sort of the experiences that he's had. And I think we get it more with the Daniel Craig era and we see the impact, but this is one of the first Bond films that I see that they're, again, I mean, he's playing a bit up, but that we see him having these types of experiences and that it's not an easy job what he's doing. There's glamorous parts, but it's all, there's also this other side to it. And he's back. <laughs> I'm checking out. I think it's the line. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and, right, and right there, they put in the little electronic noise thing at the start of Dr. No, when yeah. the close-up uh, yeah. on her. And his the... fingerprint can now close the doors. But <laughs> I, I think I'm going to stand with my answer. It's like the code is five. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's a fingerprint scanner at this point. <laughs> so, I think I was mistaken. Uh, we should talk about like how he goes from here to there. Um, in Benson's novelization, I think he starts gambling in some under like backstreet card game to win money um, before he goes to the hotel. I haven't you had know, the pleasure in the, uh, of reading the novelization. Right. Uh, it, the- it came out a week before the film, mm. so that was like uh, spoilers. Mm. If you Isn't this the, the wrong image? Isn't the yacht club on the side that we're seeing the cityscape in Hong Kong? Well, like he'd, be I, in Ko, he'd be in Kowloon now if that if that skyline is correct. Yeah, because <laughs> Kowloon is the north side of the harbor. Yeah, it's like Howard Hawks once said: movies create their own geography. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think as I was saying, I think you guys are caught up to wherever I was at that point. Um, and it's um, yeah, it was it was shot on the back lot of Pinewood. Um, yeah, green screen in the, in the, in the famous tank. And this whole character of Chang was going to originally be played by Wei Lin, helping him out in Hong Kong. Mm. Which would have been amazing um, having right? a character come back and be like a support system and then opening up questions about like a pr- previous love interest. And then mm. can he move on and have just a professional working relationship with them after? I think it would have opened up just a lot of interesting um uh, threads yeah but i kind of like the way they bring like the chinese secret service in here and are we sure we can trust them and do they trust bond kind of uncertainty whereas if it was Wei Lin, it'd be like oh yeah well she's gonna look out this is him. a this is a good point for to bring up uh, yeah. the 50 odd product placements yes <laughs> they shot, they, they, they shot the, that bed about 12 times for all the different <laughs> logos of the shaver yeah so the, uh, because uh, yeah i mean the the, the final kind of 
um, cinematic releases different in each country for each region that they were going to put it into. Is that correct? Yep. And they were basically different products for different regions. Yeah. So I think it was Norelco in the States and Philips in the UK. And yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I think there are uh, literally 50 product tie-ins in this film. Um, This is our friend, Rachel Grant. Well, I was about to say it's a, a female character who's superior to the actual female lead. Uh, we'll meet later, but uh, unfortunately, her screen time is very yeah. short. I do like the nod to "From Russia with Love" of the yes. film yeah, in the yeah. hotel room. I think that's. And the best color color. I just like I, like I love the guy, the camera operator with a cigarette hanging out his mouth. <laughs> this is brilliant. Well, well, also there was the they had the exchange where the Chinese guy said, "Hong Kong is ours now, Bond." Well, I'm not right. here to take it back, and he like motions, <laughs> but, but kind of the way he says it's like I could take it back if I wanted to, but I don't. Okay, um, there's kind of you know, he's recovered his cockiness after all that uh, after that 14 months in uh, prison. Yeah. So the, uh, there was also another little Bond nod in there, which was um, License to Kill, which is the Jetfire. That's the Breda Jetfire. Uh, that was, yeah, um, strapped to Rachel's leg. Strapped, yeah. strapped to her thigh, which was uh, also done in License to Kill. So that's another little nod in there. Can we go so, back, though, to the filming of sex? And it's something I've always felt yes. uncomfortable with, with from Russia with love, and it's being relayed here, where when we think about sex and spy culture and the use of these bodies, and yet it's being filmed and it could be utilized for I don't know what type of purpose, blackmail or otherwise, oh. and, and that's illegal to do it without somebody's permission. I just Ask Trump about I'm, it. all of it just feels like i know that it's normalized through spy culture and it's something we've come to expect but it's something i've never been completely comfortable with and so i just want to sort of throw it out that it always makes me feel weird even though bond was on to it and that's the joke of it but like if he wasn't i don't know it just seems very invasive hey we're in spain we're in spain Cadiz. we're in Cadiz. I've actually been to this location, and so have I. I have to say, yeah, my, my, my nice, sister-in-law uh, is actually from Cadiz. <laughs> it's um, it it remarkably does double very well for um, Havana. Um, we are actually now in London. Uh, yeah, East in, London, is, right? Yeah, this is a this is an East London set. Uh, I think it was an old factory or something like that that they, an old newspaper factory. So the, they were supposed to have a bunch of extras rolling cigars on their thighs for this sequence. But for whatever reason, they didn't end up doing it. Hmm. Um, it looks, I guess it in looks East warmer. London, you can't find a lot of Cuban women. So yeah. like... it, it looks a lot warmer in there than it does outside in, in Cadiz. Um, but, uh, like the guy reading the newspaper. I think yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. This guy's great as well. Yeah, I was always hoping this would be set up when when we got like the script early and stuff before the film came out. We were really hoping this would be like a a nod to um, Karen Bay kind of character, mm. but he disappears from the film as quickly as he's introduced. Sadly, I think this is again, in, in, including this part of the film. I'm, I was like, yeah, this is great. We're really we're, right. we're, we're in great territory here. Bond is actually being a spy. He's rather than just being able to kind of you know effortlessly move through his his environment, 
here he is, he's reestablishing himself and picking himself back up. And we're actually seeing what Bond is capable of without all of his, um, his gadgets and the like. Um, and I thought this was, this was proper kind of spy territory, you know, where he's, he's activating the sleepers and, I, you know, I thought this was, this really to me was like why this was going to be such a better film than it ultimately ended up being. Um, this scene also kind of uh, addresses uh, Purvis and Wade's fascination with Cuba mm-hmm. because their first draft for The World Is Not Enough began in Cuba. And um, and then, you know, that changed in the rewrites. But so it's like, well, we're going <laughs> to we're doing another movie. We're going to bring Cuba into it again. And it plays a role in the uh, upcoming film. So for whatever mm-hmm. reason, those two guys like yeah. Cuba. Like a bit, like a bit of Cuba. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, here we're gonna see the um, James Bond book. The James Bond book. Yeah, Um, James Bond. Um, Scratch that his name out on the front. Um, But yeah, that was a nice little, nice little nod. Um, Some of the some of the nods in this are very heavy handed, and some are more subtle. Um, Mm. And uh, I think that was a nice little, little subtle one. I didn't mind the uh, the idea of having nods. It was just after a while, it became kind of like "Where's Waldo" kind of mm-hmm. thing. There were like there were right. so many, and, and and you know after you know, like say an hour and a half into the movie, it's like we get it. It's the 40th anniversary, fine. Um, but like you know the book, you know having the book there that that's fine. Um, and I guess this is the same kind of car that uh, Mr. Smith was driving, and uh, or Mr. Jones, excuse me, and Doctor No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that, and, and the way they filmed that as well, that that uh, particular shot kind of uh, harkens back to that uh, that sequence. Yeah, they, they just needed back the, projection, projection to get it uh, perfected. <laughs> in, in the preceding scene, one one nice little touch, which I'll I'll plug, is you know he was kind of checking what was in that guy's office that could be of use. He's like yeah. you know he, he sees the uh, binoculars, he gets the mm. one gun, you know just a one you know one revolver. And he's got binoculars. He's obviously not uh, he doesn't have a lot of gadgets as as Ben said, but he's like checking out what's what could be of use to him, and you know he takes it. Yeah. I don't know what Purvis and Wade got against South Africans because first off, the diamond dealer in the beginning, <laughs> and then this, the Sean Bean lookalike <laughs> is also South African. <laughs> Bad guy. There's a nice spitting image song about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Bill here. Um, it's it's like he's creating uh, a persona or a, a cover that he can, out of what he has to hand. Um he also looks like he's gone into my dad's wardrobe and right. taken taken my dad's clothes and identity. Um, um, certainly, but, when but it comes it, to the flirtation scene we're about to have. <laughs> but 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 that preceding scene it also emphasizes how Bond is capable, despite you know he's on his own. I mean, this was this was before the going rogue became a cliche. Right. Um, you know, he's on his own in this sequence, and he. And and oh, those are very special, okay, now- amazing binoculars that slow time down. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and also, I forgot to mention, since we're out uh, of North Korea now, it's all bright colors. Yeah. So. Another instant drying bikini as well, which is yeah. Um, yeah. And, Bond and of is, course, Bond you is know, smoking as well. It's the last time that uh, we've seen him smoking. When we all, as women, emerge from the water, we all look that happy. 
in that glorious. <laughs> we have our Ariel from the Little Mermaid yeah. shot. And I like how in Casino Royale, when uh, Daniel Craig's Bond emerges, he does not look like that at all. Like he, right. he has to like wipe his nose and it's a lot more grounded. Whereas this is definitely like a fantasy because I don't think I've ever looked like that coming up for a breath after swimming <laughs> underwater. It would be great if she, if she did do the nose snort. And like put right? a finger in her ear to clear the water out. <laughs> is this is this a scene where she says ornithologist? That's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was also it was also freezing cold on the day that they filmed that shot yeah. coming out of the water. That's why she was happy to get it over with. <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I remember. I remember when they did it because it was on the Spanish news. Yeah. It really doesn't compare with the Ursula Andress. Um, just when we were yeah. talking about sort of the stylization of Halle Berry coming out just then, I think like, because we saw Dr. No last week, uh, you know, just how kind of matter-of-factly Ursula Andress comes out of the water and just tosses down the the shells. Mm-hmm. And she does do a bit of posing where she like throws her hair back and everything. But um, here it's so much more gratuitous. All right. So I'm going to throw yeah. this out to the panel then. So uh, three actresses that didn't get the role were Saffron Burrows. Oh God, <laughs> Sophie Ellis Baxter, thank God, mm. and um, Salma Hayek. Oh, okay. Salma would have been good. Um, yeah, Saffron Burroughs, a bit too pretentious. Uh, and she, she, oh, she'd done Deep Blue Sea at this point, actually, hadn't she? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, hmm. Which is interesting. Just talking about Deep Blue Sea, that uh, she, the original edit of that, she survived. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they disliked her so much uh, on on the screenings um, that they they had to go back and shoot a, a spoiler alert where she gets eaten by the shark. Yeah. Um, so this is the awkward bit: sitting at the world premiere, knowing the Queen is in the room, and you're watching Halle Bailey, Harry Belly Hump Brosnan. <laughs> and it was like that moment when you're a kid and there's some sex scene come on in your parents in the room. You're like, oh, it's awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> But this is probably the most graphic sex scene of all the Bond films. I mean, it's sweaty. She looks like she's sort of going through the motions, whereas most Bond films, there's like a bit of romance, and then they sort of show us the other side of it. Well, well, they're never like in the middle of it like they are here. Um, It is always, as you say, it's either immediately before or immediately after, or like Daniel Craig, like kissing Gemma Arterton's neck in Quantum of Solace or something Mm -hmm. like that. But this is like, oh, wow, yeah, no, they are really just in the middle of yeah. it. And that was yeah. emphasized in some of the uh, publicity buildup. I yeah. think it was Vanity Fair had an article yeah. where huh. they talked about, ooh, this is new new ground for Bond. You actually yeah. kind of see him in the middle of having sex. Like, and that's the bit where Halle Berry choked on the fig and she mm. had to get the Heimlich maneuver performed on her. Oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, good. Wow. Can't make it up. Mm. Oh, she's gone. <laughs> I like how Just he was say- going to go and caress her then, though, right? <laughs> oh, he's actually quite disappointed she's I not there. Was, it's not waving goodbye again. This yeah. set's quite similar to um, the, the set that you will see in um, No Time to Die. That's right. Uh, mm. So with the with the shutters and the yeah. uh, the fly screen, it's a, it's a, it's a, if you look at the trailer, that there are um, similarities there. His binoculars have gone back to normal speed. they are adjustable though you know yeah he twisted the knob that's this 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 is one of my favorite parts of the film where he just gets this he he, he spotted this guy being you know a bit of a dick so he thought right 
we're gonna use you I to just, get. I, I love her. Just her basic like, hola. <laughs> <laughs> she just, she just shrugs it off. It's brilliant. It does look um, windy and cold, no matter how yeah. they're trying to play it. I was just thinking that it does not look like very pleasant to be there right now. Even with all the um, digital color correction and stuff, they couldn't quite make that sea look inviting. Right. So um, that was a model shot, obviously. Um, the actual fort itself is very small, um, and the uh, um, you know I'm sure David will back me up on this. Um, the the walls are not particularly high on it, um, um, so it's it's yeah, it's quite I... clever clever the way they've done it to make it look bigger and uh, um, more imposing than it actually is. It's also not an island, I should point out as well. It, it, no, <laughs> no, it's right at the end of a, a peninsula. It's um, mm. it, it, You need to go along a, a walkway to get to it, don't you? Yeah. I think. Mm. Yeah. Not I, to, not, not I do like how here. calmly um, Brosnan Bond is like going through all these people's rooms and stuff. <laughs> it's, it is very Bondian. Yeah, picking up the it's grape as well. Nice touch. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think he's like he gets a lot of uh, negative press for his bonds, but I, I genuinely think he was uh, he was pretty good at it. Mm, um, yeah, and you know, Craig's Craig's bond is, is is Craig's bond, and it is you know darker and harder. But uh, I do, I actually do have a, a soft spot for for Brosnan's bond. Um, mm. I think he, me you know, too. Yeah, I think it's great. And, and, and again, more Bond as detective figuring out that door based on the um, the angle camera. that camera was aimed at. Oh, and man with the golden gun. Uh, mm. Is it? Is it? I yeah, always I love, that's, that's why I love this bit. <laughs> I'm not. I don't get the man with the golden gun reference though. Um, well, it's, it was, it's uh, the, the, the funhouse. The funhouse yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's because what it, it was. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. It's and it's not only just the uh, the mirrors. It's also the the uh, camera angle. angle. It's like yeah. it's very similar to the shot of Roger Moore. Yeah, I love the way that this guy is just basically saying, "I'm I'm a, an awful human being." But as long as you're uh, and and will your uh, cash or check. Cl- clear that's that's important to me but uh well it's it's interesting because you've got to be able to justify her doing what she's about to do right um, right right. like within three lines why is he so bad that you can just literally just shoot him in the head or what would she have done if he'd have been like the nicest man in the world and he was talking about all the charities he donates to (laughs) his lovely (laughs) wife and children he can't wait to go back to yes i'm an evil villain but i support my wife and six children (laughs) (laughs) that's an interesting point uh, in casino royale they do when when bond shoots um dryden uh in the whip pan that they do when he when he Mm. dies there's there's an insert of his uh, a photograph of him with his family, yeah. Um, that just that's just put in for like two frames. So I think they do yeah. do that. Mm, the question yeah, is right. which family he because he probably has two or three. <laughs> he's that kind of slimy guy. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was a suggestion you should have thought of your family, or that families you know in terms of the world of Bond make you weak. And you're no longer mm-hmm. to like focus in on your job because that film is about Bond stepping away from the service. So I think there's mm-hmm. multiple ways of looking at family photos yeah. in the Bond franchise. 
Yeah, I don't think they explain. I don't. I don't think they explain the gene therapy thing here at all. Well, for audiences, visually there's some interesting cues, but no, it's it's there's kind of like. There needed to be a bit of basil exposition from that doctor mm-hmm. explaining how right. it worked. Yeah, yeah, and they might have even been, but um, right. you know, or or as cut. Tom Mankiewicz called it, Leo the Explainer. But uh, right. <laughs> it's the magic squeeze of saline wake somebody up. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Zhao is like halfway through this whole gene therapy thing, and you would think the first step would be take out the diamonds right. and uh, <laughs> you know, hey, take care hey of those therapy. marks. Hey, for yeah. therapy, yeah. Just take a- it's some wow. yeah, spaghetti. It's a good fight, but the the editing just with the slow motion. Oh god! Yeah, uh, there there we go. Yeah, um, so, sorry, people <laughs> listening can't see this. Yes, we're for those um, listening. Yes, we're in the Bon Zhao fight on the island, and uh, there were some slow motion shots. It really didn't add that much to the fight. Mm. I, I think we're saying. And just as a sidebar, I mean, my students are actually watching uh, Die Another Day this week. They don't like this angle of the science behind um, the whole, like, switching your race and and the technology. They don't buy into it. And they also find it really troubling that, you know, you finally have uh, more Asian figures on screen and they're all being literally whitewashed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. so, Agreed. you know, when we have a lot of conversations going on about like Hollywood whitewashing and this is literally showing us happen on screen. And so they just they're not a fan of this plot device at all. Right. Yeah. So a couple of things here. One is uh, Prosnan's suit kept shrinking when they were filming this in the mm. wet. Yeah. Yeah. A, there's a My scene favorite. when he gets up onto the wall, it's, it's, it's around yeah. his ankles. Yeah, my my favorite line, my favorite line from Tamahori is when Zhao's running away from the explosion. He he told the actor, "Run like Michael Jackson's after you." (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Wow! Wow! Um, Again, we we see. Oh, this is where Halley gets um gets a face full of um, debris. Yeah, which was a second injury on the film. Yeah, Yeah, I think one of these squibs here. Goes into her eye. Boom, boom, boom. Wow, yeah. she she really got hurt on this film. Choking yeah, on a she did. Fig she and being blinded. Yeah. Um, again, Bond using his ingenuity. Um, no, just come back to the whitewashing thing. I think it's absolutely true. It's uh, it's one of the most distasteful things ab- ab- about the film. Really, is just this desire to kind of it's not just changing your identity getting a new passport you're you're literally changing your race and it's um yeah it's it's a little uh it's a little uncomfortable isn't it yeah and in the case of uh, gustav graves is changing his height too i think he ends up a little taller than he was as colonel moon but Oh, sorry. We're not supposed to notice that. But there was uh, there was another there was another oh, scene where she's words. got a disc around her neck, and um... at this point, and you're watching the film the first time, you're like, "This is going to be the worst CGI in the film." And it's not. And it's not. If if only it were, this movie yeah. would be a lot better. Could so you survive that dive? Like, could you could you do the the actual like in real life the dive that she did and not get a concussion? Uh, that looks pretty high. So in real life, well. 
<laughs> in real life, yeah, that, that... if you yeah, if you hit a rock, then definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They, 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 the guards run off and leave Bond with a weapon drawn to stand around by himself. They're yeah. thugs. You know, it's like their boss is dead. Like, oh, let's just get out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's, nobody yeah. should pay them anymore. <laughs> there is a there is a, a scene in Doctor No in, in the in the scene I should say a, 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 in the in the novel in the novel not the novelization God I can talk properly I can um, where he dives off a hundred foot into the into the water and they talk about whether he would you know survive that fall um, and obviously he does so it's yeah. kind of I think it's a I think it's a sort of a nod to yeah yeah to you're that. probably right because in in that um, in that a section of the novel and because he he um he goes in with clenched fi- fists to to break the water f- for him but he he's still knocked out yeah that's correct yeah, yeah. um oh we're at mi6 now yeah um, we are. all right Warren building so trivia this is the only bond film where bond and money penny don't interact oh, <gasps> oh. oh that's right never considered that yeah huh. robinson's very tall isn't he yeah mm. yes I not for I, yeah. There's a. It's like his a, head's a, on the ceiling set, at this point. There's a set visit story about a Judy Dench inappropriate joke about Colin Salmon, which we'll be safe for another day. Uh, Wait, we're about to come in. Uh, we're now seeing Bond flying uh, to London, and we're about to see a Greg Wilson uh, mention because he's the byline in the magazine article. There's Deborah Moore, this is Stewardess, and oh, Bond is reading the magazine article, and it's written by Greg Wilson. Oh, Greg with two G's. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that article was actually in the magazine in November the, when it came out. Yeah. So is, that, is, the, is the Greg Wilson... Um, obviously, that article was in the magazine, but... Um, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just I was going to say what. So he yeah. did what well, he actually wrote that. No, he didn't. Well, I, I, I was about to say this sequence, beginning with the uh, the airline flight and running through the uh, the fight at Blades. This is my favorite sequence in the movie. I really like this general sequence a lot. The um, we see the arrogance of Gustav Graves with this, um, you know, parachuting to yeah. you know to get so, knighted. They had to get special clearance here to, to yeah. get within a kilometer airspace of Buckingham Palace. Wow. Took them ages to get clearance. And just as they're about to get clearance to do it, Queen Mum died. So oh, it, it took, took a bit more diplomacy to shoot this. Um, mm. Just before this, there's actually a cut scene where Bond gets it's on the, the land, landing gear of the plane. Through That's how he sneaks into the country. Mm. Um, but they, they cut that out. Probably, I don't know. Not to encourage people to sneak into the country through landing gear. Yeah. <laughs> and do you think well, that they were doing this uh, particular like sky jump or whatever the parachute sequence in order to like maybe throw suspicion off that he would be the villain? You know, because Bond oftentimes parachutes in and has these sort of images that the film hmm. is doing some references and playing on it, so that oh, we yeah. wouldn't like we won't sit here and be like, "Ooh, that's going to be Colonel Moon." No, I, I, th- I think you were supposed to think it was Bond with the Union Jack. And then it turns but, out to be him. Another yeah. plug for Ford Motor as uh, Gustav Graves gets into a Range Rover. Yeah. The, the, I think the extras here is awful. Yeah. <laughs> I think on one of the behind-the-scenes things, you can see a reporter That's... sort of fluffing his lines and Lee Tamahori sort of uh, accosting him for it. Yeah. 
is Baz in this? I think he's in, as a, an extra in the scene. Um, mm. The other thing as well is um, that it, it plays into the novelization of the Moonraker. Sorry, I keep saying novelization. I should say novel uh, of Moonraker, which obviously this is heavily, heavily based on. Um, and it's kind of the, it's very much kind of Drax, Drax's character to be kind of, um, I think he's knighted, um, and it's sort of it's it's playing into that rather than kind of uh, um, any kind of trying to trying to turn your attention away from whether he's the villain or not. I think it's kind of this yeah. is this is uh, uh, this is Madonna, Madonna's character's Verity was supposed to be like his regular fencing instructor, and they were friends. Mm. Mm. That was the intention of it. I think but I read something it, about she was like very keen there. on them having like sort of some illusion, uh, alluding some kind of romantic yeah. relationship between the two of them. And then when they didn't do that, she uh, insisted that her character be a lesbian, and that's why we have her looking longingly right. at Rosamund Pike. Is there any truth right. to that? Yep. Oh, Sounds okay. about right. <laughs> <laughs> I I do really like. I mean, it's not quite yet, but there's. Uh, and, and, and it's on the commentary, um, so I'm not adding anything new. But um, when when Brosnan kicks the the foil yeah. towards yeah. the camera, which and it just sails over the top of the camera, it's a yeah. very very Bondian moment it's and an unintentional totally one. Yeah, totally accidental. Yeah, yeah and, I, and the and other I, thing I is to do the they 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 run the cameras a little fast on the fight scene. So when they it, sorry slow. So when they play mm. it back, it's sped up just a little bit to make it look a bit more frantic than it actually was. Now, at one point, Rosamund Pike was announced as play actually playing G- Gayla Brand, and then they changed mm-hmm. it. Yep. Because my understanding is, once they got uh, Halle Berry on board, oh, we got to make her the heroine That's right. and not yep. Roseman Pike and, and if anyway, you guys um, remember, but when Halle Berry was cast the rumor was that she was going to be Blofeld <laughs> <laughs> all, all, the news, all the newspapers ran with her being Blofeld Ooh. back in the day like a year before production wrapped I, I was just going to say a you know, late friend of mine he did this great um, fan poster and it was you know they took him a while to come out with the title die another day so in his uh, fan poster you know it's like operate i forget what he called it but you know it's like we don't have the title yet essentially and then it was like the cast list and said rosamund pike uh, you know said as gala brand then a big x through gala brand <laughs> miranda <laughs> frost <laughs> and yeah. it was it was a great poster he 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 he, he was a great guy, and he had a great visual sense. And the second mm-hmm. I saw that, I, I laughed out loud, and I, I, I still have a copy of it. It was just great. I love Gayla Brown, Brand. She's probably one of my favorite characters from the novels, and I love the ending of Moonraker and when Bond tries to, like, hook up with her, and she says no, and she's married. And right. the entire novel ends on the most melodramatic note. And yet it's like a woman walking away from Bond. And we don't see a representation of that until we get Quantum of Solace. And I've always thought Mm. that that's just a really strong moment. And I would have loved to have seen it um, have that character because she doesn't make it into the movie Moonraker. We get Dr. Holly Goodhead um, instead, which we can argue is a bit of a version of that character. Uh, But Gayla Brand is probably like my favorite female figure from the entire novel series. So I'm yeah, kind of sad that they didn't go there. 
And I was yeah, about I to say, once once it became clear that Rosamund Pike was going to play a villain, they had the good sense to not call her Gala Brand. Right. That, I, that's I think, something I that should she, be left alone. She didn't like the name, and she asked them to change the name. Yeah. yeah. I think they said it sounded like a pie. Yeah, they sat around the table in the afternoon and came up with a name. Right. Mm-hmm. In any case, it, it, you know, they should save that name yeah. for a more appropriate time in the in the film here's series. The, here's a kick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, can I just say, Bond is being a bit like Columbo at this point. There is nothing to really tie um, Gustav Graves to, to, to any of this stuff, and he just decides that he, he knows who the villain is. Um, well, it, yeah. it had something to do with the markings on the diamonds, if I oh, recall. But it's not like he's got a lot of evidence. He's like, you know, he's basically playing a hunch. No, no I mean, exactly. But he plays it. it. It's not like he's playing it like, mm, by the way, where did you find this? He really is like, no, you're the bad guy. And um, Well, you know. that's part of Bond's character, though, is he provokes, doesn't he? And in fact, mm-hmm. Miranda Frost in dialogue says he'll go and provoke. You know, that's his... That's his That's true. It's just it. It just seemed a little bit kind of. Uh, I will say this. I like. I like the idea of them taking uh, M's club blades and and making yeah, it trash it. <laughs> making it trash it, but but making it about um, sword fighting. I think that you know um, taking that that notion was uh, was quite interesting. Um, but anyway, Ben, just to close your loop on Columbo, though. I, I, you know, the thing about the classic Columbo, anyway, is that um, Columbo more or less can tell who the killer is from the first moment he meets him or her. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like rewatching. It wasn't the full episode. It was like uh, edited down to ten minutes. You know, Honor Blackman passed away this week, and she mm. was a co-murderer on a Columbo. And could he you tell? Know, pretty, yeah. <laughs> It was like, you know, can, it was, it was, her, it was her and Richard Basehart. He just, he can tell, you know, it's just the way they act. But if you actually go, well, anyway, I don't want to talk about Columbo too much, but you know, if you look back, <laughs> they, they always act guilty because they're like, you know, cause the killer is like always quick to come up with a alibi whereupon a truly innocent person never even thinks about an alibi. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. I really oh, like Jesus. it. I like the energy, by the way, of this scene. I mean, they are just going straight at yeah. it. They don't care if they want to, if they're going to hurt other right. people. They're destroying stuff. Like they're going full out. And I think the villain, he's like his facial expressions. Like I buy into him having rage issues. Um, yeah. And I just actually think that just the emotions well, that the two men are giving make the scene. You see, in retrospect, when you know it's Moon, that yeah. echoes the start of the movie where he's kicking the living shit out of that guy in the in the in the bag mm. at the very beginning of the film with his to take his anger out. Yeah, right. yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was trying to sort of say earlier on. Was like you can really see that they are playing the same character, and um, I think you know that the transition works really well. And, and and also the thing about the fight is in in that few minutes when they're fighting, each is like drop the mask. Each yeah. shows what mm. they really are. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, now now they just had to make nice and pretend to be civilized. But during that fight, it was pretty clear, you know, they are what they are. Mm. I agree. All of um, all of Rosamund Pike's close ups here were shot against a stand in because Rosamund was busy doing something else. But, uh, <laughs> Oh, this, this uh, we're going. Guy, we're going to the secret door, uh, yeah. uh, which many a Bond fan has visited. The Die Another Day door, That's right. um, uh, on Westminster <laughs> Bridge. Um, 
I've, I've got pictures of myself standing outside this door myself. Uh, it's just to, to destroy the illusion. It is literally just a small little um, control room, cubby hole. Like people have uh, taken to um, putting locks in it now, like you know, couples um, like you see on um, I can't remember what that bridge is in Paris, but uh, right. yeah, it's just full of padlocks now. Um, during the uh, filming of this movie, 60 Minutes, the U.S. Uh, news magazine, did a feature story on Judy Dench, and you could see them filming some of yes. the scene. And uh, I remember thinking, because you could hear some dialogues from the scene, obviously not from the same angle you would see it in the movie. And I thought, I was thinking, ooh, this looks interesting this looks a little different so i was that, that sort of that definitely um increased my anticipation for the movie yeah there's uh, dialogue in that that wasn't in the film okay also the shortest oh. tube platform ever uh-huh. like it, it should be at least six times as long as it is here so also, interestingly okay. calvin sorry go on i was just gonna say in that 60 minute story so at one point ed bradley was the uh, correspondent who's I'm no longer with us and he and he basically asked her why do you do james bond movies and she and she was beside herself like well why not it was i mean right. it was a great dame judy moment <laughs> um but but he, but ed bradley seemed to think this ought to be beneath her but so talking, talking about product placement i noticed there was um there was an, uh, an ad on the on the wall for phillips yeah, yeah. I love so, I love the pop art shooting targets in the background here from also, trade date. Is that Honor Black? Mm, right. yeah. That's exactly what I, I was thinking. Yeah, it looks like it. So they the, they also do this. The, they did a lot of research on. Well, they clearly did yeah. a lot of research on emergency stairs. Emergency um, stairs. That uh, <laughs> that. <laughs> The, the actual, if you look in the background there, there is a um, tube map for where the station might be. Yeah. Um, there were originally plans to do this part of the line. Um, it hmm. was going to be built. Those stations were going to be built, but they never were. Um, right. So it's quite interesting. Like I did a lot of um, reading up on kind of uh, the abandoned stations and stations that are kind of no longer used. And, and often when you see a film which has a tube, in it, it's one of these um, disused stations. Uh, mm. This is obviously a set, but it's interesting how they actually did do their research into it and decide that yes, this was going to be one of those uh, stations that might have been built in another in another life. Huh. And I also think it's interesting that they went underground because I'm thinking of you know the previous film where you have the first attack on London and stuff above ground gets destroyed, and then you have this the following film, and then I'm thinking of. Skyfall, where they have to go underground as well. Yeah. Um, I think this is sort of the, the starting point of, of, instead of being in clear sight above ground, moving some of the secret layers below. Mm. Um, we're, we're, we're now in the, um, I guess, uh, augmented reality sequence, but mm. just to close the loop on that uh, thing in the tube, there, of course, was the ad from Player Cigarette, which was mentioned in the Thunderball novel. Right. And there was also another old Ford ad, like from the 50s, it looked like. But uh, I didn't see again, the player ad. The player ad comes up later with Cleese. I used to love this whole um, sequence. It's it's a total like video game homage with uh, mm-hmm. even how it's shot. It's very sort of GoldenEye 64, yeah. um, some of the first person shooters. But I used to love this when I was like 12 years old. This was my favorite scene in the film. 
And again, going back to Tamahori's commentary track, he specifically says, yes, we are doing it like a video game. Yeah, mm. the problem with the editing here is they use slow motion to show, you know, to trick, you know, to trigger you to thinking, oh, this is a simulation. But they've used slow motion earlier in the film for no reason. So, <laughs> Right, it loses it its work. effect if you use it too much. Mm. Mm. The whole film is a simulation of a Bond film. They just walked by. Um, yeah, the this is my is least up. favorite thing. Mm. I just this is something that I find really annoying. Is that um, oh, yeah, like the subtle nods were fantastic, and then have you, you go into to, this. Have you got anywhere to put a crocodile? I don't know. We're just hanging up. Pack. Pack. <laughs> oh, Simmons loves this. But this feels different than the remembering of George Lazenby when he was going through yeah. the artifacts of the last film because that had a purpose, right? It had a purpose to say George yeah. Lazenby is also Bond, remembering continuation where I, I get that this is supposed to give us continuity with, you know, um, Llewellyn being gone and this is supposed to be the new Q, but I find it to be just like, it's so packed in there, it goes overboard. It's not one thing, mm. it's almost everything. And I think that's a general sentiment that we've already talked about. There's so many references and it's so jam packed that I feel as though it's just too busy. And I want some of these things gone so that we can mm. focus in on more of the actual narrative, the plot line and so on. Mm. And just to reinforce your point, Lisa, with George Lazenby, those were supposed to be Bond's personal uh, uh -huh. possessions these were things that meant something to him he, he had kept them all this time yeah. this is like you know you, you zoom in you go in you go out and it's like a few gags and oh rose's yeah, club shoe smells oh the more, invisible car there's more emergency stairs <laughs> john cleese playing john cleese yes yeah. yes um and obviously this is a this, this is, is the this, point, you know. The low point in the movie. Oh, I don't know. This car's has. Oh, this I, is not the low point in the movie. This just sets <laughs> us up for the low point in the movie. This car <laughs> bothers me less and less as time goes on. Like the whole invisibility this feature. I know it gets though. cited a lot as being a real low point of the series. Doesn't bother me. Just like a submarine car doesn't bother me. Um, so many of the other fantastical things that we see. It feels like a, a proper escalation of what we've seen before. I can see wh why the you know creative voices would um, get to this point. I agree with that. I don't see it as being something that's so far away. I think they've been building up and souping up these these uh, gadgets and these cars up to this point. And mm. I mean, if you if you want me to buy into the fact that you can swap someone's race then I'm probably going to buy into the fact that you can right. make a car invisible. Like to me, the invisible car is less of a stretch than the other technology. But this, yeah, but this is the right. whole point about this, this film, isn't it? It's that it is the logical conclusion of escalation. And yeah. that's the prop. That's the problem with, with this bond series up until this point is because you can only, once you get to this point, you cannot go further, which is mm. why they had to strip it back and go, yeah. go the way they did with yeah. Daniel Craig, because yeah. where do you go beyond, Gene therapy and invisible cars. No, you, I know. You it, can't. It, you have to yeah, take it all away. The problem. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense as it is. So, what else can you do? And I think it yeah. takes away from Bond. I mean, it's one of those things where Bond should be able to utilize technology to make his job easier. But when the technology supersedes him and you kind of don't need him because the car is invisible and all this other stuff is going, 
I think it takes away from the essence of bond. And when I show this to my students, my students say the same thing. They're like, I think we've gone a little bit too far. Mm. Like, like yeah. by the time they get here, they're like, we can see the need for Casino Royale after this film. Yeah, mm. yeah, well, 100%. Well, the thing is, um, Connery in 65 and Brosnan in 99 each did an interview with Playboy. And in both interviews, there are like some of the same complaints, which is the technology. It's it's outpacing us. It's Mm -hmm. the character is like, you know, just switching on gadgets instead of like doing things by his wits and so forth. Um, I mean, the interviews are are remarkably similar. Mm. So the story of the Ice Palace is Barbara Broccoli saw a picture of the real of a ice hotel in Sweden on a plane and decided that that's what the next villain's base mm. was going to be. And um, this is, there are yes. there are no ice hotels in Iceland at all mm. ever. Um, and this is all Peter Lamont magic. Mm. I have to say, Peter Lamont doesn't obviously get uh, the same kind of credit that Ken Adam gets. But I have to say, this is a very nice piece of um, production. Well, so uh, the production design overall in this film is is first rate. Um, mm. But that lead up shot to the ice palace, which is obviously um, yeah, you know, CG, model, and, C- CG yeah. and models and, and set built up. And again, here where we we've got um, the, the the tie into the Eden project as well. It's it's very nicely it's nicely done. Mm, um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, although Peter Lamont may not have kind of the same immediate flair and flourishes that uh, that Ken Adam had, this is still a very, very nice piece of um, production design. Mm, well, yeah. well, some of it is just that Peter Lamont always had a more practical side to him than Ken Adam did, because, of course, uh, Peter Lamont's first job was actually to turn Ken Adam designs into usable right. blueprints in Goldfinger. And so I think I, I, I think Peter Lamont always had a more practical skill set than, than mm. uh, Ken Adam and, did. I think Ken Adam, and, you know turned out these fantastic sketches and i mean his career speaks for itself but uh, yeah and no better example than this because it was not designed to have a car chase in it but he built it in such a way that they could yeah or, or, or rebuilt it rebuilt um, it, it, went, and strengthened yeah. it yeah yeah here's one the of the that yeah, uh, one of the one of the things you don't see in this film is um it was scripted and they actually built it out there's a little golf course uh, mm-hmm. behind the ice palace where they had like astroturf putting greens um, Why did they cut but, that out? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Well, the movie's like <laughs> two hours and 12 minutes. It's like, you know, I know, but there, there, should, be, there, should, be, um, there should be a, a definitely a, a golf scene. We have a couple sure. of pictures of it kicking around somewhere. Um, I think it's very difficult to sell ice, fake ice, on um, yeah on, on screen. You know, obviously it's... Uh, you know, it's all just plastic and stuff, but they've done it very well. They've managed to create a, uh, you know, it, it, it does really genuinely feel like it's um, made of ice. I think some of it looks a little bit hokey later on when it's starting to melt and they have the car yeah. chase in it. But here I agree. Here I think it looks really good. It's you can see the paint's, a little, the paint's a Nobody's too got blue, stri- yeah. steaming breath, though, which would be a nice little yeah. extra, extra touch. I'll always to be it. a jinx to you. 
<laughs> I don't know if anybody's actually been to an ice bar. There's one in Vegas I used to go to a lot. There's a real ice bar there. And, um, yeah, you see your breath, and, yeah, you have to wear a thick jacket. Mm. I was going to say, is she not cold? Yeah, I know. Like, she's <laughs> bare, she wears so little clothing that I'm just like, put the leather one piece back on. Like, mm. you're going to catch I, a cold. I think, I think there used to be an ice bar off Leicester Square years ago. It did, yeah. yeah. The it's in Hedden Street. Yeah. No, no, no. I have memories of going there, and it, it was, and I, I seem to remember it was bloody freezing. It's, <laughs> you can be, you can only be in there for like ten minutes. It's mm. so cold. Um, I yeah. went, I went with a, a couple of fellow uh, Bond nerds from the forum, um, and we all, we all were very excited to be in there, and then very excited to leave. <laughs> so, so cold. So, uh, so we're now watching this scene with uh, Graves and Zhao. And I guess this is supposed to explain how yeah. Graves did so much in only 14 months. Well, he never sleeps, so it's like 28 months, which right. is still a lot, of, still not a lot of time to do yeah, everything yeah. he appears to have done. But the fiber optic dream machine was just unnecessary bullshit. Yeah, but he's uh, he's also a, a white male, so um, you know he's always he's right. got that oh, extra oh. advantage. We, you can't see it now in this scene there's also another ken adam homage which we'll see later which is like that uh, willard white thing that showed willard white's empire you know it was the circular covering yeah. and the little models and so forth um i get the thrust of it oh i could i it's a good I line got it muted and i could still read her lips like uh <laughs> and I, unbelievably it made the trailer yes <laughs> This whole sequence here. Well, I, well, I actually of, think it's a good, good line. Well, a friend of mine once I said that. Uh, Except he, that you've got he, no idea anything to do with space at this point, so it makes no said, sense. Anyway, I was about to say, a friend of mine said Halle Berry's lines are like a Matt Helm movie from the '60s, except amping up the sexual in, innuendo a little bit, but not much. All right, um, so you want another fun fact? Uh, this scene here, where Graves demonstrates the Icarus, was the biggest ever lighting rig ever constructed in the uk it's twenty thousand dollars. still never been beat holds the record mind you close to it when they did um spectre they had to they had to light the entire um, thing of the thames yeah um and they they put lighting rigs on every building which is kind of pretty impressive And, and never mind the ice palace being plastic the plastic was melting under all those lights (laughs) (laughs) so we're now so we're now watching uh gustav graves demonstrate icarus his satellite and clearly this is like an homage to that little tiny satellite in diamonds are forever but this thing looks like i don't know the size of a city block maybe you know um the dino thing gets a lot of criticism but this space mirror was actually a real life russian technology because they were trying to do it to add sunlight to siberia yeah so that was a real thing um, I obviously, love the way, you know, like Donald Trump, you don't need glasses. Just look directly right. into the solar. Yeah, that, <laughs> those guys just squint a bit, Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. It's only really the main people, well. like Bond, yeah. uh, you know, Jinx, Gustav Graves. They don't need sunglasses. All the other losers need sunglasses, but not yeah. us. With this lighting, yeah. it, it looks like it, it, it was shot in the 1950s or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to put this clip out for when the eclipse happened the other year, but I thought it'd be socially irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, just leaves the social irresponsibility to Trump. Yeah. 
um, it's a good speech. Yeah, he's he does a he does a nice kind of uh, slimy villain, doesn't he? Does it well? I think I it's a bit wonder... too overdone. I think he has a bit of a lip curl, a bit of a snarl, a bit too much. Yeah, um, I, but then I, it, I, it, for, for the tone of the film, it 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 works in the, this context. I just don't like it. So this no, is I agree, Calvin. It could never work in a in a in a Craig movie. It would just be mm. ridiculous. But um, yeah. I think in with, when you've got um, the the invisible car, you'd need to have a villain that kind of uh, matches that. And I think yeah, um, I think he kind of is as cartoon and villainy as you could really get to be. Mm. This Where's is he one been of keeping the... that key. Yes, it's one of those rewatch gags where you know the ergonomics of the uh, controller changes so quickly in the timeline of the movie. Just ridiculous. Um, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I so find I've got, the whole... I've got, I've, got um, issues. I've got issues with the invisible car and the way they used it because he hides behind it, which wouldn't <laughs> yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah. idea of sneaking into the base is quite good. Yeah. And surely, okay, if... How do you find if, it? If if they could have <laughs> if they had the technology for an invisible car, surely they had the invisible that they had the technology to cover the tire tracks afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> right. Nobody. I, I think, I think that would be the simple part of it. <laughs> they could just do like they did in the Spy Love Me, where they had a sweeping brush on a rope behind yeah. the car to cover the tracks. <laughs> Mute the engine. <laughs> oh, we've already made it wearable. That was what ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, think, uh, I get the Bor- impression that he's been being asked to do it for a while. Well, well <laughs> Bor- Boris or whatever his name was had been reading Iron Man comic books, and so he that was his inspiration. <laughs> what is that guy's name again? That mad scientist? Is it Vlad or something like that? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Is it Vlad? Yeah. 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 Is it Vlad? I I stand corrected. I I said Boris. I just pulled a name out of thin yeah. air, but yeah, yeah. Boris fits very well. <laughs> Yeah. He, he, he bought a stack of Iron Man comic books. Ooh, I have to make armor. Let me see <laughs> see what I have to do. <laughs> Look, it's more Power Rangers than uh, Iron Man, though. Um, yeah. I love how Bond grabs this metal um, freezing thing. His hands get stuck to it. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah I was going to say he can't he can't release afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> there was supposed to be a thing where he he's he feigns uh like he, he gets in a hot tub with miranda or something which yeah. they cut out i think yeah. at this point yeah they, they cut it out which was just as well i mean we have the line coming up put your back into it like um i do i do love the um i do love the fleming callbacks here in the dialogue though but I think a sauna, uh, a hot tub scene would would not work with someone named Miranda Frost. Like I like how <laughs> their dynamic, whether it's her cold demeanor or the fact that they have sex on a bed of ice or or whatever, that she's capable of being, um, in a sense, the master of that element. And I see ice is obviously like a play on water, and women are largely connected with water. Halle Berry is the warm water. Miranda Frost is the cold water. So I kind of like the fact that they're sort of separating that out. I think it just would have got, at least for me, a little bit more confusing. And I would wonder why that scene is there. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I do like she might that. Have melted. Bond keeps kissing her long after the, the guys have gone. And she goes, oh, they left ages ago. That's just <laughs> yeah. such a dick move. So here we are in the actual Eden project. Um, well, 
Yes and, and then, no. And this then bit was, to, and yeah. that bit wasn't. That bit wasn't. Uh, yeah. Oh, it depends where you are in the uh, in watching this. I think I'm maybe a couple of seconds. Yeah. Out. Well, uh, so uh, yeah, whilst we're on like Dino of the Day fun facts, uh, they had to buy five thousand plants <laughs> to recreate <laughs> that Eden project, and they hired a team of people to constantly water them all day. <laughs> it it just reminds me of Silent Running, and <laughs> for some reason, I just yeah, I love it. Um, those candles are going to make it nice and warm in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, but yeah, is, but they, they, these people bro. they they hired to water the plants and and so they, they they would have been talking about it forever, wouldn't they, to all their friends and and the, then their friends. But which film was it? I'll die another day. Yeah, Brosnan puts the gun under the pillow, unlike Connery's bond. Watering the watering the plants on Die Another Day. Yeah. And here, so Halle Berry pretty... reminds me a lot of Wei Lin from Tomorrow Never Dies, from having sort of the way that she drops in to the mm, outfit that line. she's wearing. Wei Lin wears that when she's in, I don't know, one of Carver's media yeah. hubs. So I think even there's an allusion to, in my opinion, the strongest physical Bond girl um, or Bond heroine of the entire franchise played by Michelle Yeoh. So I think there's a referencing here, and especially since Michelle Yeoh was not brought onto this film, um, I think that it's an interesting nod. Mm. Oh, and she uh, just handed uh, Brosnan his gun, so presumably she doesn't check. Happy. and doesn't notice that it's lighter. He's not much right. of a spy. That's right. I mean, Nick Fury was able to tell a gun was lighter and therefore had blanks rather than real bullets. I do like the Reva color of her. Um, no, no, no. It's um, oh, we we just had slow motion again. We, you know, just <laughs> Zhao just kind of you know his there his, in his coat. coat. Yeah, it's his like Matrix coat. <laughs> yeah, you need slow motion for the coat. That's what they <laughs> did in the watch, Matrix. Uh, I guess that's yeah. the logic at this point. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch the um, in interview with the editors, they talk about how like film editing has moved on and we're going to put these new techniques in there and uh you know you got to get with the program like, yeah, I yeah then the everyone ramping. complained about them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've seen Your ramping mama. i've seen ramping used to affect to, to good effect in some films um this is not one of them um <laughs> i also think yeah the laser thing i, I just yeah I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the the laser fight in well, this either. Also, didn't uh, Sean Connery's watch in Never Say Never Again have a laser in it? it so, did, so, yeah. So, yeah. so, so they're like taking the idea from Never Say Never Again and putting it to a yeah. Well, it was well, a Golden Eye as well. Golden Eye. Okay. Well, it's, it's in oh. it's in the video game of Golden Eye. I don't know if it's in the actual. It's how Is he it gets in, out of the train yeah. um, when he's locked in after Trevelyan uh, yeah. escapes. Okay, and that that's was right. like it's but a it, nod but it was, there. But, but it was still right. a never say never again first. Oh, which, yes, you know, it was. Yeah. The, the, the movie that shall not be named in Eon offices. Yeah, it, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they, didn't, they didn't take it from never say never again because they've never seen it, though. Never <laughs> say. Like, 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 oh, like, sure, they haven't. Oh. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, speaking of the lasers... Speaking the of the lasers, yeah. it was an interesting nod to Goldfinger having Halle Berry laying there and having the villain use like a laser. We were talking about lasers. 
sort yeah, of coming yeah, towards yeah. her head, not coming towards her legs because she she's not going to have her phallus taken away. Um, but maybe <laughs> something going towards her face, which is her locus mm-hmm. of identity, her beauty. Just to throw that out there mm. to the laser talk. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really made that sort of connection, even though it's it's quite apparent now that you yeah. say it. Um, but um, huh. I, I guess I guess the, the the pivoting laser thing just it doesn't you know the fight with it there doesn't seem to be the same kind of um, you know jeopardy with it you know like here it is cl- creeping closer to her but it just you just don't get that same kind of it's not a, it's, the the tension just isn't the same as it is no. in Goldfinger. Yeah, and, and it's on this stupid robot thing as well. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I was about to say, and when the movie was about to come out and they were doing publicity and Pierce Brosnan went on The Tonight Show here in the United States, they showed this clip. Um, yeah, I forget how much of it, but, you know, enough to get the point. And, the, mm. and then the audience applause. Oh, oh, that's great, Pierce. Yeah, well, it's great. And uh, I want to yeah. know what they used that robot for when it wasn't for tying Halle Berry up. Um, yeah, I think I think it's it's supposed to be the diamond mine, right? But how is that? Yeah, but if it's fake, then uh, yeah. yeah. But I think yeah, it's an right. interesting it's an interesting play on some of the things you get in earlier spy movies, um, where they have like the lasers that are guarding space. So you have to jump over or you know go under mm. or side, and instead of like having it being like stationary, now it's moving, and now you're doing a fight through it. And so it's supposed to, I think, maybe take that concept and amp it up. But I have no idea what the actual practical application of a robot who can do that. Like, I don't know the actual no. li- real life application, but I see it as being like a play on that. No, I think you're right there, Lisa. But I, I, I think the, the big problem is that there's no, it has no apparent use. And so it, it's only no. there uh, for this scene. And so it, it, it detracts massively. From the, from the whole fans who are, are watching this, uh, listening to this commentary and watching this uh, particular scene, if you work in the laser industry, uh, <laughs> especially, you, know, if you could write into us and let us know what this machine. Seriously, I would love to know. Yeah, because with a robot, that suggests some kind of mass production or mass something. Right. Um, it's it's not it's not a one off. It's or if it is a one off, it's a very expensive <laughs> way of using it. Maybe it's used. That, to, maybe, maybe it's used to etch the diamonds. Yeah, with a little GG that, that that gives get, that lets the secret agents know it was you. <laughs> Right. Why oh, did he? And, here, why and did of he course, laser it's, it's also so you can cut anyway. Mr. Kill's hand mm-hmm. off and get out. So it has multiple uses. You can imperil Halle Berry. You can kill Mr. Kill. You can cut Mr. I, Kill's oh. hand off. So <laughs> <I'll be like laughs> why couldn't they think of a better well, name? Okay, here's for him. the uh, again, the Ken Adam homage. <laughs> we're here that that big yeah. circle thing on the floor. That's yeah. like Willard Weiss thing. Yeah, it's very Ken Adam. Yeah. It's the Canada grill, right? Yes. Um, grid. Um, the floor grill as opposed to the ceiling grill. Just yeah, you mentioned mm-hmm. Mr. Kill, David. There was a guy that was like third assistant floor sweeper or something on this movie, and he was on the forums leaking information about the film uh, from Pinewood, and he revealed that one of the henchmen is called Mr. Kill, and everybody called bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, when when the movie came out, I would have, if I were him, I would go back on the forum and say, I told you, I told you. 
You didn't believe that painting, me. Look at that convincing back backdrop there. <laughs> right. I was just thinking that. Like, it's terrible, that matte painting. The, yeah, the, they're running right. out of money at this point in the production. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that supposed to be snow? I thought it was clouds. Oh, that makes more snow. sense. I think it looks like a can of Grand Canyon. Rosa Klebb's shoes. They're all cloud city, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> That person bought me a cactus just to put that cactus up in there. <laughs> well, you know what it was? That was the guys that were watering the plants. He's like, you know what? We're going to put cactus in this room so we don't have to <laughs> we do We don't it. have to water it. We don't have to water that one. Jesus. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody's a critic. What can I say? <laughs> the dog's like, there's no place for a cactus in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. That's the least yeah. believable part of the whole movie. It's, the just too, bad. it's, it's too bad the dog wasn't around when they were filming the movie. Like, invisible car. It genuinely, though, like you've spent all of this money on all of these, all these exotic plants, and it literally looks like they've just gone around a, a, a garage and <laughs> like the, the cheapest right. plants that they could, and just but it looks like IKEA, yeah. like two dollar IKEA, IKEA plants, yeah. yeah, or pounds if you're in England. Hmm. One of the rare occasions where his gadgets used more than once. Definitely. Um, yeah, again, um, it's, a, I, I remember thinking in the movie when I, when I saw this the first time, I was like, again, one of those points where I went, how is he going to get out of this? Um, so it, I, I will say that it has, it does do that a couple of times in this film where you, you're not entirely sure how he's going to, um, extricate yeah, himself. We're going to take all the tension out of the scene by cutting to Halle Berry looking into a hotel suite. That's <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, the mm. the thing that surprises me most at this moment is that we're about an hour and a half in, and there's yeah. another forty minutes to go. It's like, bloody hell! <laughs> <laughs> there's only forty minutes to go. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, it's yeah. That's his face. Look at his face now, and he's realised how long he's left to got in the movie. So, yeah. <laughs> Just shoot me now. That's what he's saying. Just shoot me now. <laughs> No, I'm going to make well, you watch the rest of the movie, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and another chance for a slow motion shot when the uh, glass and... I mean, I, I think that one's batteries. earned. Like, I think that is a really cool yeah. shot of them falling down beneath the bro- uh, breaking glass. Yeah. I do think... If, if, if you're going to use the slow motion, yeah, use it right. there. That's the time. I, yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's just there, there have been Bro's so running. many... Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise oh, running. Yeah. Yeah, Tom Cruise Tom running <laughs> I think that this is a film that's just in a particular moment. Like you said, you had the Matrix do everything that the Matrix did. You're seeing mm. shifts in terms of the way that people are making action films. And this is a franchise that tries to be God, that um, looks terrible. like riding that <laughs> wave of, of mm. action filmmaking and i think the problem with this film is they try to do everything they're like and there's cgi and there's slow motion and there's this and there's that yeah. and it gets we're to, up to date much. yeah 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 and there's zoom in shots too Look at yeah. that running that tom cruise running is fantastic um yeah i'd, I'd uh, like the fact that he he makes that blue steel face when when he's on the on halle berry's um wire thing that she's left right he's just mm. he just gets a real blue steel pout when he goes up I like how he says he got away. It's like to where? 
I don't know what Bond's plan is here. It's just like, I'll just get in Graves' speedy machine and just go straight for a bit and improvise. never plans. It's like, do I have a gun? Great. It's like it's like you guys were talking last week and the doctor, no. Oh, I'm going to Crab Key. I don't know what the plan is, but I'm going to go and check things out and then I'll head back. Oh, I can't head back, but I'll play by here. Maybe he parked his two-person submarine from a view to a kill off the coast. The one without the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, does Bond, do we have any record whether Bond plays chess? I doubt it, but anyway, (laughs) let's just. I have to say, though, I like this idea of the sun gun. Like, I like how Mm. sometimes you have the Bond films, they play on on it in, in various ways. But in this one, it's about like, we can do crop growth and we can do this. And I always like how it's going to sound bad, how environmentalism is used as like a cover for like some sort of nefarious plot. I like that element of quantum of solace. And really, it's about creating this massive weapon that you can target and you can kill people with or you can mm. destroy. Like, I like like the. I know that it visually might not work. And I think that it's conceptually bold. But I like the idea like that's a new type of power versus mm. just simply having nukes, you know, aimed at each other, uh. that this is the way to do it, but without nuclear fallout and having and, and being able to cultivate control. I kind of so like it. Like my- the problem is later in the movie, uh, they fly a plane through the beam, right. and and while it's damaged, it's still intact. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's because it, it's because it wasn't focused. It's focused right at the ground, and so because the plane was yeah. in the air, it, it was. Oh, yeah. that's a yeah. You see, yeah. Now, so Sam, now see if 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 Stanley were alive, he'd give you a no prize for that for coming up with right. an outlandish explanation for, for <laughs> yeah. Um. So Neil Purvis recently said that obviously Purvis and Wade had a an alternative escape plan for Bond for the sequence, but Tamahori went with the uh, went with his plans to do this. What was parasite. it? I don't. He they haven't said what it was. No, no. Can I just oh, say, right, I very convenient. I don't think it's I don't think it's the escape itself that is bad, right? I think it's quite clever that he's utilizing this this vehicle in this way. I think yeah. where it falls down is its execution. It's not yeah, that it's a just, bad. He could have just parachuted. He just could have parachuted. <laughs> that is true. It, it it's is. Not, it's it, not such a bad. It's just. It look. It's if they had done this, like oh, photorealistically, if they had done it well. <laughs> no. It is, it's the music. It's the effects. It's Brosnan's face. Brosnan's. Yeah. It's everything. It's bad. I mean, this oh, is the God. moment. I feel. I feel the most sorry for him because it's like <laughs> you. You. You get to these close-ups and he's like, he's got the cords, he's like grimacing, he's like trying to sell you on it, and then you cut to a really right. bad yeah. CGI shot. We're sorry, Taurus. Oh, it's so bad. So I mean, bad. Let's talk about, I mean, guys, time out, guys. So the motion picture company that did the CGI in this, they spent all their time getting the water right and left it to like two weeks to do the figure of Bond. And if you take the figure of Bond out, the CG of the waves and stuff isn't actually that bad. Uh, it's just the figure that, of Bond. That yeah. Yeah. And that's where so your it, eye is drawn, the figure. So that's oh, yeah, all you see. Yeah. This is where Eon should hire George Lucas just for this film. But, mm. but and and also it's that last ten percent that kills you. It's like yeah, yeah it's, great, it's great for ninety percent, but that last ten percent where you actually have a human figure. Uh-huh. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, the collapsing mm. cliffs aren't very good though either. 
It, no. it, the, the waves, the waves are good, but yeah. I mean, honest. I mean, again, just I, I do feel sorry for Pierce Brosnan in that sequence because he's trying to sell you on it. This is a well, struggle, fair, and, and he then, wouldn't have known what it was going to come out like when they were filming it. And this, obviously, thing, yeah. Some of these inserts here were done in a car park with <laughs> with card with cardboard cutout icebergs. Like you can kind of screen. tell once you know, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Great. No, there's something else uh, about, about bad special effects, though, that I, I would say is that uh, you can get away with bad special effects as long as the story is good enough and you can believe in in what the characters yeah. are doing. It's mm, quite um, right. It's when it, it's when you're in a situation like this where you, you you're not. Uh, you, you don't buy it a hundred percent, and uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate what what Bill was saying about uh, Pierce Brosnan going for it, but uh, you just don't buy it, and so it doesn't work. That's the car park. Well, you can you can have like if you go to any stage play, right? You, you know, you're not going to buy into like you don't necessarily yeah, you don't necessarily look at yeah. a, a, yeah, a cardboard tree absolutely. and think, but, but but you're invested, yeah. you're invested, yeah. so it happens. But when you see something like this, where you just can't invest in it, you your your disbelief just kicks in. Yeah, 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 and, mm. and, and, that, that, and it that, takes you out. Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the, the 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 example of a stage play is, is perfect. Yeah. So this is where Bond decides to hide behind an invisible car, which makes him invisible, which makes no sense. I'm just so uh, stupid. Like, yeah, but he, this is, um, so Cubby Broccoli, I think, in one of the documentaries, um, in the older film, said, um, it did say roof on the on the screen. And the dog said roof. This, this shows you how much the film was rewritten late, because um, Broccoli always said, you always have Bond going forward, never going back to the same place. And mm-hmm. here we have Bond going back to the same place again. You know. Mm. Yeah, I think it. I think it definitely. It doesn't make a lot of sense. He's escaped when he comes back, and it just. You want you ask yourself why did he? Why has he done that? Why is he coming? Right. It just. It feels. Um, he has no it, idea. Jinx is in trouble at this point. No, mm. he doesn't know. And yeah, it, it's. And we're it, running I away again. We're going to come back he's again. Come back for his, he's come right. back for his car, really, I suppose. But that's it. <laughs> it is a great car chase, though. That's right. He's come back for his car, so we can have a car chase. I mean, that's some of these shots are quite spectacular, like these cars going over the ice and yeah. all of the spray mm-hmm. and everything. It it looks phenomenal. Yeah, but it, it, it looks like top tier rather than a Bond film. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. But just like, oh god, some of this just looks fantastic. Quite yeah, you know. That Jaguar is in the possession of the Ian Fleming Foundation, which has a lot of Bond vehicles, and I've I've seen it. It's not as impressive looking in real life as it is in this movie. I I mean, it's. I think it's actually currently um, at the um, Bond Emotion. Emotion, Emotion. right? Yeah, because you know the the foundation has it, and Bond in Motion is one of the foundation's main sources of revenue. So uh, I meant to say this. I know this is going to cut into whilst we were actually watching a spectacular car chase, but I meant to say when we were looking at all of the artifacts from the movies, and I mentioned Meg Simmons, who um, is the Eon archivist. um, Prior to this film, there really wasn't anything. Where a where a fan could go and see a lot of this stuff, That's right. um, and Meg Simmons um, did sort of say that when she took over the role of kind of um, being Eon's archivist, that like a lot of this stuff was like in a um, just like a shed, 
and just yep. um, falling to pieces and all, all of these production notes that were just kind of covered in, you know, bird droppings and the like. So this film in a way, because they needed to pick a lot of this stuff out for, for that particular right. scene has meant that we've, we've got a, a, a better, we've, we've, we've got bond in motion. We had design 007, um, it's allowed a lot of the fans to see these things close up and for real. That's true. Yeah, there was a there was an exhibition at the Science Museum back in about right. two thousand three, two thousand and four as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. What's the, pre- what's the press day for that? You know what uh, they did for the press, was, press day? James was saying earlier that uh, some of these inserts were shot in the, the car park. I think it's very well done that um, they just put some polystyrene on a. <laughs> in the it wasn't even. It wasn't a story, but it was literally cardboard. Yeah. <laughs> also, with the Aston Martin, my understanding is they had to put a Ford engine in it for some reason. Um, yeah, and they did four-wheel drives as well, which yes. is why a new gearbox. Yeah. But I yeah, kind of like the way that it compares to the original. The sorry, the initial chase sequence with the hovercraft, yeah. and like you can see just how much control these cars have on the ice versus like the hovercrafts, which were kind of going everywhere. I see yeah. a little bit of a parallel, but these cars look like they're better equipped and maybe mm. that's a great selling point for them. Yeah. Yeah. This is where Bye. the ice palace kind of loses um, the reality a little bit. I don't know why Jinx yeah. keeps like chipping away at that one bit of the room that is quite clearly plastic, despite the yeah. ice melting <laughs> around her, like presumably try another spot. Uh, it must be thin somewhere. So Vic Armstrong has a cut of this movie where they don't cut back to Jinx trying to get you know out of a hotel room, and it's about it's longer. It's a good few minutes longer the car chase, mm. and um, yeah. So that all the second unit. This is I think Ben. We've talked about this in the past. This is the movie in the series where the second unit basically took over. Yeah, mm. and and it was and that was part of the reboot for Casino as well was to kind of put the second unit back in its place a little bit. Mm. Yeah, this it's, reminds it's me of the. So I was going to say this reminds me of the Batman movie with the penguin. Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, just sort of yeah, um, the the second one, ninety two. Yeah, like even but like 10. the the underwater sequences, but like it, the effects are so bad that it reminds me of nineteen ninety two. I think yeah. that's sort of the comment. Like it just, <laughs> it feels like that versus mm. what it's supposed to maybe be. And all these shots to like these external shots of the CGI are even worse. Mm. So yeah. I'm, I'm I not think... necessarily a fan of this, this part of the movie. Watching, yeah. Watching this also without any sound effects or, or, um, you know, uh, any music, you, you, you're stripped away of a certain element of it. You're just literally seeing it for what it is. And it isn't good. Um, well, I'm listening to it with music. Don't get me yeah, wrong. I, I have like my own little setup, and it's not any better. Yeah, <laughs> it's not think, coming across great. I'm a fan. I, I mean, this is a nice little way he gets it's out a of this. Use. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing: so Zhao was the man responsible for 14 months of him being in prison, and this and is death how you several do. people, and he's just yeah. like pew pew. Yeah. Done. <laughs> I'm not even going to check that he's dead. We'll just assume that that did the job. <laughs> there is yeah, a big gush uh, of blood from under the wall. I was going to say, I think the blood was sort of suggestive of like got real hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate because he he genuinely kind of was a was supposed to be a, a, a bigger villain. Um, it's unusual yeah. for the, the henchman to to get off so quickly. Hmm. 
Well, so quickly. I mean, we're an hour and 43 into it. But. <laughs> it feels like a lot longer. <laughs> Isn't yeah. Hanks killed off really quickly in um, he was. Yes, he Ooh, absolutely like, he was. Like yeah. pretty early on. I think, I think that was about an hour and 43 in as well. Oh, dear. Yeah, mm. so in No Time to Die, we can expect the henchman to be killed off at 1 hour 43 as well. <laughs> Imagine that's a thing, though. We just discovered like a secret code to James Bond yeah. that <laughs> things that happen at one hour and 43 minutes yeah. are like. In No Time to Die, though, that's halfway through the film. <laughs> I, I, I was about to say with From Russia with Love, that's not the case because Grant, uh, if they, if they, an hour 43 would be almost the end of the movie. It's like five See, minutes to go. Here's the hot spring that they were supposed to be in, but an earlier. Yeah. But it's a clever. It's a, but it makes more sense which, for it to like be bringing her back to life, the warm woman. You know, yes. one associated mm. with the warmth and the water, you'd bring her back to life. But Miranda Frost, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter that you haven't seen it before. No. You know, right. I think the idea was obviously that you, you, you know, you knew where he was going to, and that he would, he was using it. Um, in, in a different way than he had before, but I don't think it makes any real difference at this point. Where in a film that's such a mess, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you added the last bit because because I, I was actually thinking the opposite. I think it would have made a bit of sense to actually know that that existed. But uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and your dog's seeing got that sequence now where um, Jinx wakes up like what you said was um, it's kind of reversed in Casino Royale, isn't it? Where Bond's like, yeah, I'm fine. Hmm. After Vespa saves him, it's flipped around. Uh, one of the things I do like about this particular shot, uh, um, I think I'm in the same place as you. You guys are, and they're in the jeep, and they're about to go go down on the lift. Have, that, have you got to that point yet? Yeah, yeah. This is just a crane shot. It's yeah. literally yeah. like, you know, it doesn't actually go down. And again, this is a that they reverse the tunnel uh, shot as well, so to make it look like they're they're walking down a lot more yeah. tunnel than it's, they are. It's old school yep. Doctor Who tricks, isn't it? Yeah, I really, I really like that. We walk this far and then reverse <laughs> shot and we're going down the same tunnel, <laughs> but the other way around. I like that. I think that's quite cool. So we've got a world, um, you know, incident going on. So we're going to fly the head of the British and American Secret Services out to the demilitarized zone in a bunker. <laughs> yeah. Together. yeah. Need some steaks. <laughs> Um, I'll, take, I'll take mine medium rare thanks but, uh, <laughs> a lot of people say Michael Madsen was miscast in this role but I like him in this film. I, I think he suits oh. the role I, I suppose it's just the role that I, I find quite jarring in this and yeah obviously there were ulterior motives with potentially being in the Jinx spin-off and all that kind of stuff but I don't know if he quite gels with the Bond world very well right. um, yeah I feel like you nice. do feel a lot of sort of American, American, you know, or, or attempts to appeal to American audience, or what execs think would appeal to gonna, American audience. I was audience. just going to say that I, th I, I think he's highly unlikable, but um, saying that he appeals to American audiences works just as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um. So, a bit about South Korea because um, there was a lot of controversy back when this film was released. Um, and it surrounded the fact that it was Americans ordering South Korean military around. Right. And mm. that was not 
Yeah. yeah. Kindly upon in South Korea. So when the film opened in South Korea, there was actually protests outside the cinemas. Yeah, and I think um, I remembered that. it was it kind of limped in, I think, to yeah. um like fifth at the box office when it opened and then it was gone the second week oh, oh they, hey, they've, look, they've, inserted, they, they, they've inserted a bit from the trailer of no time to die oh tomorrow never dies oh, yeah, that, that uh, no, so, sorry was, uh, i mean um yeah this this is the this is the um the glider scene basically from no time to die really it feels that way anyway yeah. you know bond and his uh right but um, i was just saying when they show a missile being fired from a ship that's that's reused from tomorrow never dies oh it yeah. is yes it's, yeah it's, it's the same shot you know it's... yeah it is but the thing that's most unrealistic about this whole sequence though is that there's an airplane in the air <laughs> <laughs> well the other thing is what happened to all the space marines that the US had in 1979. <laughs> Were they all decommissioned? Because they could just be up there and sort this out. Yeah. Well, Trump recruited them, didn't he? <laughs> That's right. And here's the high-tech garden secateurs mm. to the rescue. <laughs> and the famous line of windage, which always gets a good chuckle. Apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I... I, I so I, I went to a, a reading with Toby Stevens um, reading um, Bond, um, and one of the one of the lines um, is "On instinct, Bond touched wood," and that had the <laughs> the entire audience <laughs> in hysterics for, for about five minutes. Brilliant. This is shot at a Marston Airport in the UK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now Where, run as fast as the plane seconds before takeoff. <laughs> yeah, why have you not using a laser watch at this point? <laughs> it's just so stupid. Um, See, this would have been this would have been a very good echo of earlier in the film, like getting off the plane through the landing gear. But may, maybe mm. they decided to get rid of it because of that. I, I was I was I was thinking exactly that. Yeah. I have a question about camo, like the the military camo. I know that, for instance, in the U.S., there's different types of military camo yeah. over the years. Are they wearing? Um, is he wearing American camo, like Halle Berry, or are they wearing well, like like UK camo? That, that, uh, um, yeah, well, in the script, the novelization, I think, in the production, I don't know whether the film makes it clear, but they were supposed to be wearing South Korean uniforms, and. Um, oh. There's a goof in the movie because it's actually like the civilian defense uniform or something in South Korea. It's not actually the military military. Hmm. So, again, it, it pissed a lot of people off in South Korea, this film. American camo. They didn't do their research very well. Um, Pierce is also left-handed, and I think he comes into shot with a, his, his P99 in his left hand. I didn't know um, he was left-handed. Um I think you see it just uh, yeah. just in one shot. Then he switches it over. Uh, um, he it's like he's gone. Oh, that's right. Bond's right-handed. I better switch it over. Yeah, there's another. I've there's actually, I've actually learned something on this podcast, and not by listening to it, just being on it. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so originally, Bond and Jinx were supposed to meet with uh, the father in one of the uh, corridors of the plane prior to this scene 
that would have made, I guess, a bit more sense as well. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't. But um, oh, the father I is uh, a little slow to pick up that it's his son because he's grown two inches. Um, <laughs> in addition to changing race, but uh, is that part of the uh, science that you can grow yourself? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, re- I reckon it must be part of the science since no- none, nothing makes sense with it. Yes. It depends on how you define science. But uh. Do you think this is a residual from the two characters swapping roles? Because Zhao was a lot taller. And so maybe when they cast, like there was a comparable there and then they switch the actors and then maybe that's the height differentiation. Mm. Hmm. I, think, I think if that's the thing that I think you're reading you on, a lot into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, the robots, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame all this stuff with the dad doesn't really have much of a point in the end. I, yeah, I, he's, he's quite a, quite a good actor, and maybe yeah. if he had have seen Bond and um, Jinx in the corridor, maybe it would have felt a bit more connected to things. It's it's a shame because uh, I think he plays it well. My dog obviously doesn't like the last act. Of <laughs> uh, really not happy with the with the way things are going, and I can't blame him. <laughs> this is the point. Yeah. M and Falco regret their decision to go to the DMZ. Because <laughs> yeah. really, this this podcast is James Bond and friends and dogs. Yeah. Yes, and dogs. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it should just be James Bond and dogs. James Bond and dogs. I like the fact that there he is, left-handed. Oh, no, hang on. I'm not left-handed. I'm right-handed. Um, yeah, it's... Um, there's, there's a lot. There's a good model shot coming up. I think it's uh, yes. Just, Chris Corbold's model shot of the exploding DMZ is fantastic. It's mm. pretty amazing, and and hats off to Chris for that uh, particular shot. I, I mean, he's done a lot of amazing good things in, in his time in Bond. Yeah. Yeah. Is it advisable to wear gloves when you're how like when you have a weapon in your hand? I'm just wondering Halle Berry's gloves. Is that like a stylistic thing, or is there like a practical purpose of having like driving gloves? Well, I reckon if you if you have a gun like Bond had in Skyfall, and you CGI your gloves on, where where it recognises your 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 palm print or whatever, then um, don't wear gloves. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because the because the production post production team will have to CGI mm-hmm. your hands back on over your gloves at a later point. Um, I like how there's a roll of kitchen paper in the in the cockpit, just hanging just there. Like, what, I've what never that? noticed that before. But it, it, I guess it, it, they will be dry their hands. But they couldn't buy any. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you can see the uh, signage on Halle Berry's uh, camouflage. Yeah. Is I assume North Korean, South Korean. South Korean. I'm annoyed that obviously you guys are about five seconds in front of me, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just catching up as you say things. Yes, uh, yeah, we just missed Halle Berry's least convincing punch to knock a guy yeah. out. <laughs> I, I imagine, like one... I could be wrong, wouldn't wouldn't the Antonov's cockpit be far bigger he, than that? I don't yes. Know. Yeah. Well, they need to make space for this incredibly elaborate viewing deck <laughs> that Gustav holds all his meetings in. 
I was always very confused uh, by this. He's about to shoot his dad, and I he obviously does it with the gun that he just took from him, but I always thought he shot him with the suit right. um, when I was much younger, which was very confusing. But no, the suit just has, like, Sith lightning powers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we have slow motion for the uh, father's body falling uh, to the there floor. there we go. And, oh, and slow motion for Gustav Graves' grim going around yeah that's how we know he's really bad he, no remorse for his father's yeah. death and Bond's really perturbed by that so apparently they had to keep oh, going there goes so bye <laughs> bye Black. Right, okay and this this is oh goldfinger again yeah yeah mm. oh man you're so far ahead of me Oh, Goldfinger again. Except, <laughs> except there's about six guys go oh, out the window. Oh, 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 oh shut up. Goldfinger <laughs> was content for just one. It is a good way of sort of clearing deck, and obviously we have Bond <laughs> go up against Gustav, and Jinx is going to go up against Miranda in a few moments. You're right. I think that it is like a really just an interesting way of just letting us have the one-on-ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally think it's um it's it's a it's a Deus Ex kind of uh, way of getting rid of people. I I, I think it's um I think it's I, I feel like it's lazy to kind of just oh I've shot a hole in the window and everyone goes. Mm. Um, mm. It would have been nicer to have uh, you know like those generals for example when they you know like you, they, all they do is they kind of like stand in a couple of shots and and then get sucked out of a window. It's a it's. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like there's much of a, an arc to them. Mm, yeah. So, like, if I, I, if I, I like was to come a, if I was to come across somebody piloting my plane, I don't think I'd like go behind <laughs> them and like you know have them do a duel. I would have stabbed her through the heart or in the head. Like that mm. whole idea of like having a showdown. I get it's cinematic. That's just really dumb. She yeah, yeah. just killed her there. Yeah. Well, I, I she wanted like... she wanted to to prove that she was actually you know she didn't lose the the Olympic medal. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. The plane's about to go right into the uh, heart of the uh, heat ray. Mm. Yeah. I do like Miranda's change of costume here. Completely inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna take off my clothes to fight. <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. No, presumably there's a room somewhere else on the plane where she was doing some kind of practicing, which I, I can only imagine okay. what was going on. And then she felt some kind of turbulence and was like, oh, God, I better go check this out. Head With to the sword. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems strange that somebody who does fencing, who's used to having like a full body of like understanding the role that armor plays when you're an action person, <laughs> just like just yeah. takes it all off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's something that annoys uh, annoys me about uh, like female armor, particularly in in any mm-hmm. film or movies. It always tends to be kind of like, uh, yeah. We you know um, we're watching Star Trek the other day, and and the the, the Klingon warrior women um, have all this armor on, but it, it kind of exposes their their breasts in the middle, which is a bit weird. Um, well, 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 or how about Star Trek the original series where all the women wear miniskirts? <laughs> yeah, they, it's, it, it's sort of it, it's yeah. Again, um, the, there are many, many tropes and many, many film series where where that happens, and I just think it's a it just doesn't make a lot yeah. of sense. Jinx I has to stop to take a jacket vital off, yeah. vital yeah, yeah. organs should be covered. Just <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna fight. 
Uh, I remember seeing the behind the scenes of some of this fighting, and then when you're, you know, it's it's cut together nicely. But um, when I saw the behind the scenes of it, they they are <laughs> they aren't um, they aren't super proficient. No. The... <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think the result is, is a lot better than a lot of the martial arts you see in films today. I I just hate the way it's over choreographed. It just Right. Um, it, it doesn't look realistic at all. This, I, I think, is a much better result. Uh, yeah, and you know, it, it, again, it's a it's a testament to how how important editing is in these um, kind of situations. You know, to to cut out the kind of the the excess, and make these things seem tighter. Uh, although I had to say. In terms of editing, we're getting far too many slow motion shots. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there she goes. Mm. The art hey, of war is kind me. of referenced a couple of times in the movie, but it wasn't as big a thread through the film as it should have been. Mm. That feels very pur- Star Wars ish, doesn't it? With say, like how many volts totally. has Bond absorbed at that point? About yeah. <laughs> Yeah, presumably he's not dead at that point. Don't keep on doing it. Like, yeah. It's not <laughs> also, love that the plane only has two parachutes. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally. Yeah. Oh, look, parachutes for the both of us. It's because all the, 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 there was a scene that they shot, and there were a lot of other parachutes, and they got sucked out the window earlier. Yeah. It never made the final cut, that's all. <laughs> I like how he, Miranda's on the plane, but he, he he doesn't know she's dead yet. But he tosses hers out. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a bad guy. He doesn't care about his underlings. That's oh, here we go. She can make a parachute out of her top. She'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh God. I did actually. I- I did actually like that line, parachutes for the both of us. I thought that was a that was a pretty yeah, you know, show he's pretty slimy slimy, smarmy kinda. It's better than time to face gravity. Yeah. Oh, it's anything is better than that. No, yeah. which it's not even accurate because he's like sucked into the plane exhaust. He's not like right. he's not falling. And- and who, who puts who the puts turbine a, engine? Yeah, yeah. Who puts a who puts a try me press me here button on their chest that electrocutes themselves? What they should have done? Just press the button, let him let him go. You know, show him being zapped, and then going into the engine. Mm-hmm. Don't say anything. Just you know, everything. Mm. You know, the sooner you get through it, the quicker. You know, less time for the audience to mull it over. I find uh, Brosnan's reaction there, we uh, just yeah. had it to seeing Miranda dead. He looks kind of, uh, well, I, I forlorn about it. Like He yeah. rubs his face. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, I, I don't really know what we're supposed to think he's feeling there because presumably seeing her dead would mean that Jinx was alive, so you would think <laughs> right. he would be pleased about that. But... Anyway, who doesn't go down the stairs that way? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Well, you know, what, what Braz and Bond was thinking, oh, I had sex with her, and she's dead now. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, and here's a chance this... to show off some more uh, Ford Motor Company products. So. Yeah. <laughs> For the end of the movie. Not that car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Forge you uh, being uh, out. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I've spent most of my professional career covering the auto industry, and that ruins movies for me. In that, I can, I, I just can't help but feel, oh, this is a Ford movie. Oh, this is a uh, Cadillac (laughs) movie. Oh, this is a BMW movie. I just. I just yeah. notice it. I, yeah. you, you, it's it, it's like it. a, my, a large part of my uh, career has been in tech of various kinds. And so it's like any tech in a movie is, uh, no. Nope. And since uh, many right. movies have tech, <laughs> it's just like, uh, nope. most movies are no. <laughs> yeah. The, the so CGI should... in this last sequence. Yeah. I mean... You see, they had to shoot this without any glass in the helicopter, and then they had to CGI the reflections on, yeah. and it just oh. does kind of work. Mm. I mean, I like yeah, this, the... I, 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 Halle Berry's acting here is the worst of the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, "Oh boy, we're gonna die! Oh boy, grin and bear it, grin and bear it." For last, what can you say? This this wouldn't work. I, I hate to say. Um, yeah, I mean, and you, here we you, are in Wales. Oh God! And the cars nose down. This would happen. Really, this would happen for, for, for a mid-engine um, sports car. Yeah. It would be about. Yeah, they just look, all, so so uh, all 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 the locals need to do. You know, the, there's these poor farmers in uh, right uh, uh, Wales. Just need to get their tractors out or their buffalo, and uh, uh, most Welsh farmers have buffaloes, and and just pull the cars out, and they've got Ferraris and so on. I just think that's a that's a hilarious thing. Of like when they were filming that, like let's film it in Wales. Where do we get a a water buffalo from? You know, like. You know, oh, we've got we've got one a local water buffalo. <laughs> so we're just flying so, that in. But so that was also update. considered to be like a controversial. I know we were talking about South Korean audiences. Yeah. But like the representation of like South Korea as just being completely rural, as opposed to like the the modernity of South Korea and and its cosmopolitan nature. Um, I remember right. reading a paper talking about like the representations of, of Asian, specifically South Korea, in 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 this film, and that was a big point of contention. South Korea yeah. is one of the most major. It's one of the major industrial countries right? in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Can I just yeah. interrupt and say Miranda here is is obviously uh, fantasizing, um, but she Some fantasized way. that she was writing. I'm sorry, not Miranda. Yeah, uh, Money Penny. She's, well, she's fantasizing. She's writing a press release about Korea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's in her her fantasy. She's like, I better right. do some work. That's right. <laughs> How would she and, program um, that? Like, there can't yeah. just be a setting that says, you know, he'll have sex with me. Right. Um, <laughs> and that was like the first the, the first couple of days of shooting was that sequence. And Brosnan had a terrible cold. So, Ew. so Yeah. Poor Samantha Bond. I don't know what Cleese is supposed to be doing there. It's, just a, it's an oil uh, can or something, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think there was this idea in. I read in it. I heard in an interview somewhere that he was like, "Oh, can I be doing something in that scene?" So they just gave him, picked something off a shelf, and now ah, just right. tinker around with it. 
here I am in North Wales. <laughs> in a typical North Wales hut. Yeah, and, and apparently in the um, preview print, they just put uh, music from You Only Live Twice and it yes. went over well with the preview audience. And so they yes. told David Arnold, we need something that sounds like You Only Live Twice, David. Well, it was the um, temp track they were using. Right, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I couldn't think of the t- term temp track. Yes. Oh, man. it's When you know that it's just North Wales, it just takes <laughs> everything out of it, doesn't it? Just like, <laughs> oh, God. Mind you, Can it's sunnier a- there than, than it is in Cadiz. Can I make a comment about this scene? I've always found it to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable in two ways. Number one, laying on diamonds is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also having like a woman of color laying on top of conflict diamonds with James Bond hovering over her. Oh. Like oh, all of God, that, yeah. just, just like put it all together here. And I'm like, oh, you know this does and not feel not- good. And, and mm. stick it in a Buddhist temple in Korea, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just to... <laughs> Just to add yeah. just a little bit more to it. They, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they haven't done well, have they? This is, this is not, you know, this is up there with the, um, you know, the the fighting Chinese Thai girls doing karate in, you know, um, man with a golden gun. Man with a golden gun. Yeah, it's it's layered. Can I just say? Can I do my Pierce person? Uh, there I, we have I, it. I would just like to say, day. Hat, hat, tip to, hat tip to Stuart Ong who played General Dong. <laughs> 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 and Ben Wee. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, there you have it. Die another day. So I had to had to say my Brosnan, Brosnan line. Um, you, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I, that, that, that was identical to Brosnan. I, uh, <laughs> I, would, I, would urge, I would urge you. Spoiler, that wasn't Pierce Brosnan saying that. Mm. I would, I would no, I'm amazed. To listen to that track. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I, every time I hear him do that on that commentary, which is, I think, I think the last time I watched this film was, was uh, with Brosnan's commentary on it about 10 years ago um yeah it was uh, <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time he does it he's just got this um uh, oh and there's a credit know. thanks to all the construction crew you know. yeah <laughs> sorry, we, we can't, sorry we can't get your names on here but <laughs> I, I i gotta say um it was it was an enjoyable watch this time um <laughs> It's held up so well. Those effects have held up <laughs> remarkably well. Um, you know, they haven't really dated at all. No um, Time to Die is, is going to have a hard job keeping up with those effects. <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking that like, this is the most fun I've probably had watching it in a long time because this is one where I normally, whenever I come around to re-watching it, which is usually every couple of years, and it has its reputation and I think like, oh yeah, it's so bad, it's good. But when you're watching it by yourself, it's just so bad, it's bad. It's just a bit cringy yeah. and a bit boring, uh, worst of all, especially that second hour. So uh, it, it, yeah. it is nice to be chapping away over it with what, uh, what, fellow fans. What I, what, what I normally... That's an hour. What I normally think is I I enjoy the the first hour of it and the second hour I just can't stand it and uh, 
I think I said last week that if uh, if the if the second half had been as good as the first, it would have been a, a decent Bond film, you know, d- despite the special effects and, and stuff like that. But um, watching it now, I, I actually uh, I didn't find the first half as good as I, I found it before, and I didn't find the second half as bad as I found it before <laughs> either. And maybe because we're watching it without okay. sound. <laughs> Sound um, matters. Just um, just a point on that on the on the MI6 uh, forum, or I should say, the community forums. Um, back in the day when it was uh, called Keeping the British End Up, there was a thread which was called Die Another Edit, um, which was about obviously this film and what you could do to make it a, a palatable film and how you would how you would edit it and what you would take out. Um, so that was quite an interesting one and there would be, hmm. you know, most people said you could actually completely excise Jinx as a character from that film mm-hmm. and it would work, mm-hmm. oh, which wow. I believe you can, you can actually do that. Um, but I think it's interesting, James mentioned this last week, that really Die Another Day was the film that kind of um, started uh, – Hang on, my dogs are going a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> you can edit that out, James. Um, I like how the last line re- of the closed captions is, I need to lay down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, this film is really the film that kind of um, began kind of the, the, the MI6 forums and, and, That's and right. MI6 mm-hmm. in general. So um, uh, mm. we've got a lot to thank it for. And I think this film is important because it shows us that the Bond formula, in a sense, we've taken it to the extreme and that something different needed to happen. And and every, I mean, I remember when I went to go see Casino Royale, I was, I was grumpy, you know, I love the film now, but it was just so different that it made me grumpy. I probably Mm. should have watched Die Another Day before I went in because this (laughs) film is just reminding me of yeah, the brand needed to be refreshed and certain things needed to be reworked. And I like, in a sense, I've always liked the brightness of like Brosnan and more films and the lightness that comes from them. Um, and and I wish I, we could re-interject or interject that stuff back into the, the Craig era. But I can definitely see why there was this shift, this reboot and a recalibration of, of elements. That's my takeaway from re-watching this with all of you is that... I mean, we can we can probably all come to the conclusion like, yeah, I think the technology went a little bit far and the premise went a little bit far and we need something that is more grounded in realism, whether it's the fighting style, the storyline, that any sort of technology um, that the moment that we are shifting into in terms of filmmaking in the mid 2000s requires that type of, of investment and more of a physical hands on bond rather than the overuse of technology. So I feel as though this mm-hmm. film is just reiterating why a shift had to happen i'd say this film is an is an example of eon giving creative control to a director far beyond what happened before and barbara broccoli michael g wilson letting directors loose with some of the things that under cubby broccoli's tenure that it was more of a workman kind of role for the director this is the one where they just let a director do his own thing and this is what we got for better or for worse. And Forster and Quantum is another example, you know. Oof. So 
Agreed, and, and we and we we touched on it earlier, James, which is you know also where second unit tended to get uh, yes. a little bit more control, um, and that's and that's what you end up getting is a, a, a very much a a second unit kind of film, um, which which did not gel with the editor, and that was the problem I think with this movie is um, the second unit were doing really great work, and then the editing ruined the tension of scenes and some of the action shots and i mean that whole car chase uh been lucky enough to see like the second unit edit of it it's great and then you know tamahori's editor kind of did his own thing to it and spoiled it yeah it's interesting i I just remember the first time i saw it um I was just exhausted when I came out of the theater. I was like, usually I'm with a Bond movie. I'm usually elated. I was just tired. I, and, and I think just that last hour just took it out of me because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even in the first hour, which I agree is better than the second, there were, there were times where they were going over the top. We, we talked about the um, hovercraft chase where it's like the hovercraft seemed to have, you know, seem to be using nitroglycerin for fuel and it's like <laughs> they touch anything and a big explosion goes off and explodium um, yeah ex- <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, um, a new element and um you know and it's just i i don't know there was something about this movie that just uh, I, I just they had an extra year compared to the schedule they'd been working on but it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to have helped them any put it that way it feels it feels like an indulgent film far more than um you know a tight kind of it feels it feels like everyone's just kind of a bit bloated and a bit kind of slushing the money around a bit and it doesn't and because of that it doesn't really feel um it doesn't feel tight it doesn't feel um it doesn't doesn't really feel like a creatively a lazy. Yes, it does. It, it, it feels. I mean, Sam Raimi once said something about um, you know making Evil Dead, and and having such a small budget to make that film on uh, actually made them, you know, uh, have have better kind of creative solutions to things. Yeah, like that, that, you, that, you, that's that's something I, I've I've commented on on before that I I think having too large a budget. Uh, doesn't help mm-hmm. them at all uh, because they get lazy. You know, it's like with Spectre, they spent uh, what? Yeah. How, how many million was it on that explosion? Yeah. You know, a lot. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was a crazy amount of money to spend on an explosion. It was the biggest ever explosion in a movie, but it's not particularly effective in, in the film. So it really was just a waste of money. And uh, right. yeah. it, it it cost a lot of money and had no dramatic effect at all because uh, Bond and Madeline were so far away when yeah. the explosion went off. Whereupon, with the man with the golden gun, um, yeah. <clears throat> Bond and Goodnight are trying to get away, and they have to go around a corner. And then the explosion comes off, goes yeah. off, and and it's like it's a lot yeah. closer call. At least comes across as yeah. a much closer call. And then, and, and so means there's no and, and, there's no corners in the desert. Yeah, right. True. <laughs> well, there, there was a, well on that the crater thing, but uh, the but 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 what what you say, what you're saying, Ben, is is exactly right. Once once you don't have enough money to do something, you have to really start thinking about it. Uh, if you've got too much money, you you you're trying to think how to spend the money. 
Right. And I think this film is a great example of one, having too much money and two, having access to tools that have no real experience in cinematography yet. And they're they're venturing into the unknown with the use of CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, You're actually exactly right then because they knew they they knew they could afford it, yeah. It was a combo of we could, we could throw money at it or technology at it and we'll get out of it. Well, mm. Let me add one more thought. It's like, okay, both this movie and Skyfall, you know, had came on anniversary years, but like Skyfall was much more restrained in its use of tropes mm-hmm. to, to um, you know, that yeah. cited the past, whereupon this one was like crazy. It's like, right. you know, after a while, it's like, you know, just stop it. Just, I'd, I'd say this, had this film not gone over the top with the nods, maybe we would have had more of them in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Because the 50th is a much easier thing to anchor things on than a 40th. And I think right. maybe Sam Mendes was a little bit conscious of, we don't want to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was bad enough putting the DB5 in Skyfall. But <laughs> I mean, but, as, uh, as, an, as an example of just a totally worthless uh, sight sighting thing uh john cleese gives brosnan his watch that's your 20th i believe yeah okay it's 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 a gag it's like it doesn't it doesn't move the story forward it's just i mean there's no point to it no and and i think um i i think you were saying before it's like yeah why if you've got all of this money to spend on an explosion that has no effect in terms of how it affects you as a as a cinema goer um you know, don't don't just put things in there for the sake of putting them in there, um, because you know it's it's slightly it one it's a bit of a fourth wall breaking moment, and I think you should try to avoid where possible things to pull you out of the of the film. Um, you know, it's like the 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 Hildebrand um, thing in in uh, Skyfall. You know, it's just such a subtle kind of right moment. Inspector, sorry, yeah, it's it's there, and you and you know fans are going to pick up on it. Um, they may not remember what film it is, but they will pick up on it. Um, <laughs> and you know, it, it's it's not it's not necessarily there for the for the wider audience, and it doesn't distract you from from the actual narrative. Yeah. Um, so whereas, this this film has some good examples of that, Ben, doesn't it? It's got the player's cigarette poster in the underground. Yes. Right, the Birds of the West Indies book, and these are all well done things. Mm. Yeah. And then they go and spoil it by having him sniff Rosa Klebb's shoe. Yeah, I mean, when back in Istanbul in 1963, they were like, "Well, she was a spectre agent. What should we let's archive her shoes, uh, <laughs> bury the body." Because it, because they did the shoot twice. It was like first he picked it up, put it down, and then something happens, and then he picks it up again to smell it. <laughs> Why is he smelling the shoe? Um, I mean, somebody uh, thought thing, it was a gag, but whatever. The other thing I, I I have an issue with this about is that every time that we have a new Bond actor playing the role, in my mind, it's kind of a reset. You know. They're not playing like Roger Moore isn't Sean Connery hasn't in my mind hasn't got the same experiences and same thing with Timothy Dalton. But when you walk into a room and you just see, and this is the thing that Sean Connery had, and this is the thing that Roger Moore had, and uh, and it and it tells you that this is the same person who had that jetpack 
or that was yeah. used that crocodile submarine. And that takes you out because you go, no, it wasn't. It was it was John Connery. Oh no, it wasn't. It was Roger Moore. And when you do that, right. you, you you're crumbling all kinds of realities. You know, your your whole suspension of disbelief is is thrown out of the window in one scene. And I well, think Tamahori was one of the first people to come out with the code name bullshit. Oh God, that's please. Yeah, I I'm strongly I strongly disagree. <laughs> Yeah, he also said in the press conference that these kind of movies kind of direct themselves. <laughs> Which is well, he didn't direct it, that's for sure. <laughs> I think if you're the producers, you've got to look to each other at that point and go, "We hired this guy." Yeah, I mean, he does that on all the behind-the-scenes stuff. He just kind of talks about it like, "Oh yeah, well, you're gonna have the gadgets in there." He's just got such like a checklist approach to Blase. directing it. Uh, by the way, I mean, Purvis and Way take a lot of flack for this film but all like the worst offenses weren't them that was Temahori mm. and there was some stuff that didn't make it to the film thank god because there was like one scene in the ice palace where there was 10 babe extras dressed dressed up in pvc suits stopping bond getting to his car Oof. which got cut out of the film <laughs> no, no. we interviewed one of them back in the day but, <laughs> I mean, like tam, tam and, and of course you know Tamil Hori himself would have run-ins with PVC suits and the right. later. Right. <laughs> well, also, wasn't there a story to the effect that MGM owed Tamahori a movie and somehow this ended up being that movie to make up? Good Lord. Um, now Tamahori owes MGM three movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I owes him a lot more than that. I owes him, I owes him a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Once More is, you know, is a good film. Um, and it, it, he's really the first of the kind of the art house directors that um, kind of came onto the on, into the Bond franchise, you know, um, because I, I think it was a kind of a conscious decision to bring. Like I've said this multiple times, I think uh, Martin Campbell is a is a fabulous director, but he's he's very workmanlike, and and that's why he's successful as a director because he he's you know he he does a um, gives the people it, what they want. Well, thank you, James. Yeah, he, he does. But but there seemed to be a point where, um, you know, maybe Barbara Rockley sort of said, "Oh, I'd like to, I'd like to have kind of a bit more kind of an art house director coming in, um, people who've made smaller independent films that are kind of more arts based, or um, maybe you know, certainly not kind of big um, tent tentpole kind of uh, directors." And he's really the first of of those yeah. directors well, well, to do that. Well, to a degree, Michael Apted was as well, but uh, what he'd done Seven Up and um, well, was, he was a dramatic, you know, yeah, yeah. thing. But um, can you just imagine this movie if Brett Ratner had directed it and Selma Hayek had been in it? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> Would it- somewhere out there in an alternate universe, there's a version of Die Another Day that doesn't suck, <laughs> or, or it might it might be worse. You, you, know, <laughs> you think? Uh, I mean, I mean, are we? Here's the question: Are we in the universe where it is the worst possible version of that film? <laughs> no, no, we're not. No, um, no, we're not. It, it can always be made worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, Let's turn this around and ask everybody: What's what, what do you think are the redeeming qualities that come out of this? And I'll go first and say Rosamund Pike. Mm, oh yeah, she's great. Yeah, 
love her and love the car chase on the ice as well that's still one of my action highlights of the entire series um i'll i'll go a little controversial i'll i'll give pierce brosnan his due at least in some sequences uh in particular the uh the fight at blades um we talked about how where he kicked the sword or the foil and it went at the camera and that was by accident but it ended up being a perfect bond moment and um uh, there there were several moments like that um he he was not well served by this movie but i think he did the best with it he could I like the opening, oh. uh, credit sequence, as I mentioned, and how it was like seamless between the pre-credit and the actual film proper. And it showed us torture, but it did so in a way that wasn't overemphasizing it. I thought that, I mean, even the Madonna song, I think it actually works for what is going on in terms of, of, of the scene. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's one, it's a really interesting opening credit sequence. Mm. I would say what I got out of it is that this was basically the first time that um, Eon had decided to kind of um, take a couple of risks with uh, with how they were how they were making the, the, the films and um, not necessarily all of those risks paid off but I would say that um, certainly the first act and maybe a, a substantial part of the second act um, those those risks and how we see Bond as a character, the things that he's endured, um, really kind of do pay off and make it a more kind of an interesting film. It's really when it goes to Iceland that it that it kind of dies. Um, but I do think that there's a lot in that film, in this film, that um, that that shows that it's possible to kind of, even though there's a lot of formulaic stuff in there, there's a lot of things that break from formula. And I think that that allows a more interesting Bond film. Yeah. And it paves the way, paves the way for, for, for something like Casino Royale. Uh, I don't really know what, what to think about uh, Die Another Day, um, except that it was the first Bond film uh, after I moved to Barcelona. And uh, so f- for me, it, it, it marks a significant uh, change in, in my life. And uh, so for, from that point of view, uh, you know, not, not actually talking about the film, it, it's, uh, right. it, it's a milestone for me. Right. Yeah, it was the it was the film that got us sued for a quarter million dollars by MGM. So <laughs> was that always be remembered for that? <laughs> <laughs> and as as I mentioned earlier, um, touched on earlier, it is the it is the film that got me onto onto the forums um, and subsequently writing about Bond um, and doing these podcasts. So. Um, and I've, and it's meant that I've had, you know, met the people that I've met and had, you know, the friends that I have, That's um, true. speaking with everybody that I'm speaking with right at this moment has kind of all really come from, um, from, from, uh, this film in a, in, in a, in a larger way. Yeah. I, so, I, for, um, for, for me, that, that, for me, that's true too, Ben. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, 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 I... So, you know, yeah, you think, David, you know, like we, we wouldn't have gone to premieres together and we mm-hmm. wouldn't have, you know, done, you know, those, those experiences that we've shared, um, have, have directly resulted from, you know, the efforts that thank you, James, um, absolutely. Putting, yeah. Yeah. Putting this all together and, and, and the hard work that everybody at, at MI6 does to, to kind of keep this thing going. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I am very grateful for that. Oh, and, um, and me too. It, because it, uh, I, I, I put, I, I started work on a, on a bond, uh, website, beforehand but uh it was in the lead up to to um to die another day that i i found the forums and uh that's when i got connected and uh yeah it's one thing led to another which uh, ended up with me talking about die another day on a on a podcast tonight 18 <laughs> yeah. years later 18 years yeah. later yeah. yes all right all right, everybody. Uh, so for next week, uh, we've agreed that we're going to let the audience decide about the film, but I think we should each nominate um, a movie for the shortlist. I'm going to stay out of this one so that <laughs> I can complain. I was going to when we when we floated this. I was going to I was going to nominate um, Goldeneye, um, but I do wonder whether that's a you know do we want another Brosnan movie? Should we mix it up? Should we should we should we have a um, so I might, I might actually go with, uh, for your eyes only. You first. Do you want me to go? Okay. Um, I was going to say Moonraker just because there are a lot of people who like Moonraker and they might be interested in listening along to us. I, I think Cal- Calvin has probably wet his pants now. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest you that now I have to sort of scramble to think of something else. But this is great because this means I have two options of things. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't oh, imagine what you're going to pick, David. I will say the man with the golden gun, but what would there you expect? Right. <laughs> um. Boy, you've all picked the ones I would have picked. I'm gonna, I'll. You know what? I'll just say from Russia with love. All right, Calvin. Uh, I will go for Casino Royale, just to get a bit of Daniel right. in there as well. Okay, three Rogers, a Connery, and a Daniel. All right, we will leave it up to the public to decide, um, and we'll come back and do this next week. Thanks for Yay. inviting me on again. Good talking. Yeah, thanks. It's been fun again. Thanks very much.
Thank you.